third minute at Old Trafford. Welcome to Kringle Talks Football. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new video. My name is Chris Kringle. This is Kringle Talks Football. Before you go anywhere, before you go any further, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Every time I upload a video, you'll be notified. Follow me on Twitter. My Twitter is on the screen, at Wright. Today, as you can see on the screen, I'm joined by my fellow YouTuber and also a friend of mine, uh, Ryan Williams. Ryan, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? How is everything? I'm doing all right, man. You know, here, fighting the toothache. <laughs> Still getting <laughs> over the Liverpool yeah. loss. But other than that, I'm good. How are you, man? Yeah, man, you're 35 seconds in, you already had to bring up the Liverpool defeat, right? Thanks, man. Sorry, bro. Life as an Arsenal oh, fan. Oh, man. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's life as an Arsenal fan, and it's... After what happened to Liverpool yesterday, that defeat makes it even 10 times worse, you know? Oh, that first half. Oh, God. The, the way, the way that... Uh, we're much going to jump straight in. The way Liverpool mm. and Trent in particular were attacked... Um, by Vinicius Jr. by Benzema. It's like, you know what? When I look at the game now for the Arsenal game and I see the way Aubameyang was deployed, I kind of kind of understand why he, he went that way. But you, you can't set up that way if you're not going to actually implement it. Like, mm. implement the damn, the, 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 the actual tactic and implement the way you want to do it. Don't just set up. Oh, man. That just frustrated me when I was watching it. I mean, no and, shots in the first half, no, nothing, absolutely nothing. And when free I by the full time whistle. This is what I'm saying. Do you know what? Yeah, what peed me off with watching that game essay with Real Madrid and Liverpool. Like, look, I know that both both teams are above us. Like, when it comes to in terms of quality and stuff, we understand that. But what I can't understand is the fact of, you know. How the hell Liverpool get nullified like that <laughs> so easily? And yeah, exactly. we get nullified like that. Liverpool were Arsenal around Madrid, but Liverpool. Yeah. You know what I'm exactly saying? That. And I just, I don't know, man. I'm just, <laughs> I'm still trying to. And this is, out. and you know what? This is a team as well in Real Madrid this season where everybody's saying, "Oh, this is one of the worst Real Madrid teams. They're not that good." It's only because uh, the likes of Barcelona and Atletico Madrid are not that good either that the reason why they're actually up there in the first place. And then you see them put in a performance like that and you're like, I mean, this is actually as well without Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard didn't play yesterday. Like, Varane. come on. Varane. And Varane, no Varane either. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is this? What is this? Oh, honestly, and that's the thing. Obviously, I think, you know, Zidane's specialty is the Champions League. So obviously he, he sets up in certain ways against certain teams. But that's mm -hmm. the thing, right? Like, Everybody could see. It. I had this long debate with two friends of mine um, on WhatsApp the other day about Trent and why he wasn't picked for the England squad and why we don't really think it's all to do with the whole um, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. They did that uh, piece on Monday Night Football, didn't they, regarding Trent yeah. and if they pick him or not? And I was saying, you know, look, he probably won't get picked because if you're looking for a one-off game, like similar to Gary Neville, what he said, if you're picking for a one-off game, you're not going to pick him because defensively you're unsure. Attacking-wise, fine. But in an England side that don't really have too much of the ball, you're you're relying more so on your defensive abilities. And Trent doesn't have that. And the fact still that Arsenal did not exploit that on Saturday 
angers me 10 times worse. Like, it angers me so much that we didn't even nearly try and get the ball to him at all in Aubameyang's case. And obviously, you know, the tactics side of it comes into it where you're asking Aubameyang to play as an auxiliary left-back. For what reason? Um, <sighs> the thing is, listen... Oh, a part of me yeah. feels like, and I've listened to a lot of different podcasts this week, try to analyse exactly what we were trying to do, what we, what we were setting up to do. But when you consider, like I said, just how poor Alexander-Arnold is as a right-back in terms of defensively, and then you consider that Liverpool probably are going to have a lot more of the ball than us, in some respects, why not just stick a Bamiang up top and just leave him there? Don't ask him to track back. Stay on that last man. So firstly, you're then saying to Alexander-Arnold, well, if you want to get forward, fine. But your right back, your right centre-back is going to have a lot of trouble now because Aubameyang is just going to be left there. He's not tracking you back. So if you put a ball in, I'm confident that our defenders are going to deal with it, firstly. And secondly, once he, once we do deal with it, and if we can get the ball out to the midfield, they're going to spring a ball to uh, Aubameyang really quickly. Mm. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what we should have done, but we didn't. And the fact that we didn't do that and the fact that it just didn't happen pisses me off so much more. I mean, I was a bit annoyed because I'm not going to lie, actually, I'm one of these people that felt, you know what, I don't think Aubameyang should start that game. And my reason is because I'm not over that West Ham performance. I'm not over the Olympiacos performance. There's just been too many times it's just been... Not good enough. And I, look, you can have a bad season. You can have a bad run of form. I get that. But I also look at Arteta and think, why are you not playing the guy up front? Why are you not having him compete with Lacazette? We keep shoehorning this and it don't work. We had one season where it kind of worked out a little bit, to be yeah. fair. And in a 3-4-3 three, 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 four, three formation, though, let's, let's, exactly. let's put it that way. Let's put it that way, exactly. You're 100% right there. And you know what I mean? It, it worked out for a little bit, but ultimately, it, it's not working no more. And now we've got options of who we can put on the left, and you're not doing that. And it's like, no. okay, remember the last fixture when we played Liverpool at Anfield earlier on this season? I mean, went missing for that game too. People forget. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, why, why do you keep trying to do something that's not working? Just tell Lacazette, listen, I'm going with Aubameyang today. Or tell Aubameyang, I'm going with Lacazette today. We have options on the wide. This is what annoys me about this manager. He just keeps doing the same old things that don't work. But ultimately, Aubameyang's getting hung out to dry. And to be honest, he's doing it himself as well as Arteta. Yeah, of course he is. That's just just how I feel. I'm I'm annoyed at both of them anyways. I mean, uh, the thing is... The thing is, as well, like obviously you've seen the stat. I've seen the stat. I mean, I couldn't, I can't find the stat at the moment. But the the one that sort of shows him playing as a centre forward compared to playing as a left winger, and, and the you know the win rate of both of them. So him playing, him playing as a striker, we win a lot more games, and he's involved in a lot more of that than he does as a left winger. He gets hardly anything. In uh, you know against Liverpool, he's played out wide tw- both games, and he registered zero shots in 167 minutes. In the game against, uh, what is it, the, the four, oh, what was it? I can't remember the bloody, the, the different games basically that we've been fantastic in, you know, give or take a, a couple of the games, like the West Brom game where he played on out on the left. Mm. You know, that, that was the whole team, let's be honest. That was the whole team. And he, he didn't score, let's be honest. He didn't even score in that game. It was Lacazette in the forward position. But playing him out on the left 
where we've dominated games or playing him at not at all, sorry, where we've dominated games. We've won convincingly against Chelsea, against Newcastle, um, against Leeds. He played centre forward against Leeds, didn't he? So you put him in that game yeah, and he gets yeah, he a hat trick. Yeah, he got a hat trick mm, in that game. Yeah. yeah. It feels like Arteta's reluctance to play him up front is what's not going to cost him his job because, I, you know, as much as we can, and I'm going to ask you as well what you think of Arteta as a whole. But Ultimately, I think he's going to be here regardless next season. This is co- costing him the loyalty in the fan base. Is his inability to pick one person and not basically pick both of them together. Like Freddie said it uh, last, you know, when he was interim manager, he basically said, you can't play the two of them together because of the, the imbalance you have. Exactly. You know, I this is the game when I think uh, Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast said, this was a game for Martinelli to play because he pins yep. back uh, Trent. He pins him back and he's quick enough to get him behind at all at all costs. If you're going to play a Bamiang in that thing, at least you know with Martinelli, if you're asking him to play as a left midfielder, fine. If you're asking him to track back, fine. You know for well he'll give 100% in every bit, in everything. You know, I think someone else referenced it. You know, the West Ham third goal, a Bamiang sticks mm. out a half-hearted leg for the cross, doesn't get anywhere near it. Against uh, Trent for their first goal, sticks out a half-hearted leg for the... Yeah, unless you're going to be committed to it, don't... You know, obviously you've been asked to do it, I get that. But you you can't do it. He He's not a player that can operate that way. He just isn't a player that can operate that way. And I'm hoping, I finally am hoping, that the Liverpool game will finally show Arteta not play Aubameyang, do not play Aubameyang on the left. And if you are going to play him out on the left... Stick him on the stick him on the halfway line and don't ask him to track back. Trust enough in your defenders and your midfielders that they're going to get the job done. And a part of me feels that had Granite Xhaka played, you, we might not have seen Aubameyang track back as much because Xhaka can operate out on that sort of left half space where Trent is involved in. You know, Xhaka's more comfortable in that left half space. So if, if they have the ball, Xhaka can move out. Erdegaard can drop back in and then essentially you're playing like a 4-4-2 you know defensively anyway you can play as a 4-4-2 and that way at least you've got a Bamyang to spring the attack on but in a situation where you know Jack is not going to play you know I mean Kieran Tierney shouldn't even start it and we'll get into Tierney as well but I still am not quite over what he decided to do what lineup he decided to go with and what tactics he decided to to deploy I still can't in my head, look at that team and say, what were we trying to do here? Because none of it, or whatever we were trying to do, none of it made, none of it worked at all. No, no. I'm, I'm interested um, to know why you didn't want Tierney. And I'm, I'm interested on that one. Um, but he just looked knackered. 10 minutes in, but he was mm. dying. Like he was blowing. Yeah. Like he played all three games for Scotland. He hasn't really had a rest since he come into the, come back from his last injury. For Arsenal, and I and I get the side of it that it was an impact injury, but the fatigue side of it, you know, I mean, we both probably played football ourselves. You know full well, like towards the end of the game, where you're just knackered, and obviously our, our fitness levels compared to theirs are completely different. But towards mm. the end of the game, when you're knackered, just that split second of how quick you are to get to the ball or how quick you are to move your leg out of a challenge makes yeah. all the difference. Like me, true. for instance, my, me for instance, I've had you know I've. My whole left leg is just from knee down. It's completely done um, because of injuries. 
And, you know, I can put it down to mistimed tackles or whatnot, but at the end of the day, I put it down to fatigue. I'm just not fit enough. So to me to position my body correctly just takes that out, just that split second. So for Tini to get the injury in the way he did, you can put it down to a, a freak accident, how he's a leg clash, but also ultimately the fact that he was, he had played all three games against Scotland. He had pretty much played every game for Arsenal since his return because we haven't got another mm-hmm. option. It was just, like I said, 20 minutes in, you saw him run down the left to try and do whatever he was doing. As he was running back, he'd done that usual. He's like, ah, like he looked knackered. He looked like he was... Yeah, he did like look he was um, And whether or not... From. Yeah, whether or not Arteta thought, okay, look, this is one game. We're going to use him against Liverpool because we feel that we could win it. Fair enough. And then I'll rest him for the Slavia Prague game. I don't know whether he thought that because probably he'd have played him. I think he would have played him either way, but the question is that's what I mean. How long how long would have Tierney got in this Liverpool game? Would he have taken him off? Would he have kept him on for 90? Then you know, would he play him tomorrow? That's the question. And there's you're right, I haven't really thought about it because there's a lot of players that you know coming from international and you think to yourself, but not just Arsenal, just all over the place. But you think yeah. how many players are gonna get rested? When you look at our squad, I mean Xhaka played what he was ill. Odegaard picked up an injury, but he still managed to play. Um, Aubameyang played as well. Played one game, one game, so did Partey. Yeah, so Partey as well. And, you know, they, they were all fine barring Xhaka and obviously Tierney was pretty much blown up. So, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I mean, this is why I was annoyed at the club on January. I was like, we need a left back. Because yeah. the summer think, it's just going to be more yeah. problems. You know what I think as well, like with the left back situation, I have a feeling and, you know, this is a really big hunch because this is Arsenal we're talking about. And obviously every circumstance is going to be different when come the summer, right? I have a feeling Arsenal know what they want to do for backup left back. I I want to say I trust them enough to know what they're doing because, look, we did it with... Uh, it's a it's a tough word, especially with a club and the, with the manager and the and the board. But I have a feeling that they know what they want to do for left back because when you've just let Kalasinac go essentially for free, you've told him, "Listen, we'll pay you to go, man. Just get out of here on loan as well." So it wasn't even like a free transfer; it's on loan. So you're willing to give him up for the rest of the season, and you're not bringing anybody in. Indicates that you've got a plan for the left back option in the summer. Now, I've said it before in one of my videos that we've got Joe Lopez, who's in the reserve squad, who can maybe next season step up and be an understudy for Kieran Tierney if Tierney is going to go through a Robertson and Trent game last season where he played every single game. It's unlikely given his injury record, but if you've got a backup who can set, you know, who can play alongside you and and and, and watch you basically every week in training, learn from you properly, fine. But a part of me has a feeling that, you listen, we've been linked with Ryan Bertrand. He's a free agent in the summer. It wouldn't surprise me if we go for him. We did it with Cedric. You know, um, there was a player I referenced from, I think it's Hibernian. His name's Josh Doak. He's a, he's a Scottish left back. He's 19. And you'd, you'd think if, they, if they're going for somebody like that, Kirantini will have a, maybe a bit of an insight into him and give him a yes or no. Uh, he's a player that we've been linked to in the summer. There's not been too many other left-backs we were linked with. Mm. Um, 
which could indicate that we might be going for like a Brazilian option or a South American option, at least, you know, given the situation with the scouting over in South America, the work permits have completely changed for South American players coming over to the UK now. So the options are there. It's just whether or not, like I said, do I trust them enough? I think I do that. They've got an option for left back in the summer. Now, right now um, comes the options of, well, who do we put in ahead of, you know, who do we put in now that Tini's injured? Because he's out, he's been confirmed today. He's out between four and six weeks. Do we go with Cedric, who I'm not that excited to put as the left back, if I'm honest? He's cool, you know, give him one or two games, but for the rest of the season, you know, towards the end of the season, I mean, don't get me wrong, look, we're playing, is it the next five or six games? We've got, five of the bottom half teams like from like 15th down or 16th or 14th or 13th down so we've got quite a few games where we're playing the smaller teams quote unquote um yeah. but i would personally go with saka at left back hmm. because hmm. hear me out because we have the options in the forward line because we've got pepe because, look, Nelson made an appearance on the bench. We ain't seen Nelson on the bench since before New Year. Willian's on there. As much as we can despise Willian, I've actually thought in recent weeks, actually, he's been relatively okay and he's looking like a player that maybe we can get the best out of. Martinelli's back properly. Um, so we have options now in the forward line, in the front line, where we yeah. can maybe say to Saka, okay, look, you're going to have to play left back. If you're going to play left back the same way Kiarantini's been playing left back, you're still going to get up the pitch. There'll still be opportunity for you to get up the pitch. And uh, who knows? That's just an option I, mean, I think we could go with. You know what? That's not a bad idea. I haven't really thought about it because I know when um, Tierney was injured and Kalasnach was injured and Saka pretty much made his made his name on the scene, playing in the left back role, Like it was like... Yeah. Where the hell is this guy come from? And then you hear yeah. he's actual wingers. Like, this guy can do everything, you know? Yeah. When he was playing centre mid, X, Y, and Z. And I totally get that. I think, you know, it will be good because if, oh, I hate to say this, if Abamian keeps playing on that left hand side, and I know Arteta will keep doing that, which will pee us off a lot. Um, it'll put, yeah, trust me. <laughs> it will probably help, it'll probably help Abamian out a little bit more because with Saka, yeah. He will over, he will like you know get in front of you and make you drop back as well because Tierney does that also. But yeah. my problem is is Saka going to be able to be okay with that? And I hope so. You know, I mean, but, he played what? How many games? Mm, Ten or twelve games last season, and yeah, he got I something like so. six or seven assists. Yeah, he, he had some crazy assists last season. To be fair to him. But I, mean, I agree with you, Cedric. Better out on that, right? I can't. Yeah, I can't deal without. If if Cedric's not there, I mean, Chambers, I'm all right with him, but we know he's not the greatest. No. Better in, well, we don't have to talk about better in, do we? But um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Cedric. <laughs> if I've, I've, I've put man, oh, I've put too many too many videos out where I've included the name Hector Bellerin and right back options for the summer, and I and it just you know when I watch him back over, it just sounds like I, all I do is hate the guy, and I really don't. I actually really love the guy, but as a footballer mm -hmm. forward thinking footballer going forward, it's just something we need to address. 
Um, yeah. But just quickly going back to, to Tierney and Saka, the mm. only other option, which I don't think Arteta will do, is go back to the 3-4-3. Three, three. No, and, won't. you know, the, the, in, in some respects, hear me out in a 3-4-3, in a three, three, but in some respects, I could see it potentially working because, say, for instance, you put, I don't know, let's, let's say uh, holding Louise and Gabriel as your three in the centre-back, then you get... It would probably be Bellerin because it, it what it does is it, it takes away his dis- defensive responsibilities at right back, which we can all agree that he, defensively he's not the greatest. Uh, this season he's produced a lot more offensively than he has defensively, which is fine. But you put him at right wing back, you then have a, a midfielder of uh, Xhaka and Partey, and then Saka is your left wing back. So essentially you, you're not asking Saka to pay right at left back and say, cool, listen, when we play a likes of Chelsea or um, whoever else we've got coming up soon, you're not having to basically just be the left back. You can move forward as much as you want. And the person behind you is the man responsible for their attackers. Mm. And in a front three, you could essentially have Erdegaard, Smith-Rowe behind the Bamiang because your, your width is still being supported by Bellerin and Saka. And then you've got your two technically number 10s who can work in with the midfield and with a Bamiang. And then mm, also, if you true. if you want to put a Bamiang out on the left, again, it takes away his responsibilities defensively, because again, you're not saying to him, "I want you up and down that wing." That's Saka's job, but Saka can do it up to like the final third of their half and up to the final third of your half. So he's in that middle space on the left. But again, I've just said this, but I don't think he'll go for it at all. I think he's bedded in now for a four-two-three-one. Um, and like you said, he'll probably still put a Bamiang there because he just loves to piss us off. Um, but I, w- I want to jump into um, the Europa League and our chances in the Europa League. Mm. Coming up tomorrow night, um, what you think, What A, what you think the, the lineup will be, and B, just how far do you think we will go? I'll get the fixtures up. So obviously we, we're playing Slavia, Prague, everybody's enemy at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Manchester United are playing Granada. Yeah. Ajax are playing Roma and Dinamo Zagreb are playing Valencia. So if we... Villarreal. Villarreal, sorry. Villarreal. Uh, if, we drama- if we go through, we have the opportunity to lose to Unai Emery. Oh man! Oh my uh, God! I, 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 I can just see that. Yeah, and I just picture him. I just picture him oh, after winning, man. like going like this, revealing a big T-shirt that said, "I'm still the right man." Um, you know. But oh, what? What? Honestly, what do you think our chances are for the Europa League? Firstly, and secondly, what would your lineup be for the game? And how much do you think we need to just go on the front foot and win the first leg by a convincing margin? Um, how far we'll go? I've got to be real. I don't think we can win it, man. I just, I just, we're too inconsistent. It hurts mm. me because it's like this is probably the best time to win it. I mean, how many years we've been in the Europa League? I could probably say, you know, all right, the, the final against Chelsea. Yeah, that still scars me, but it is it was what it was. 
you know, because I felt we, we had a lot more difficult games to get to the final. Chelsea were kind of all right, you know, and they didn't necessarily need us to win that. That was just extra trophy, and it hurts because it was them. I hate Chelsea. But um, then there was that final with Atletico, Madrid, that semi-final, and, we all, and then they, I think they lost to Marseille in the final, which annoyed me even more. But yeah, sorry, Wenger, but you know, but this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this, I mean, I, I don't, we're too inconsistent. You know, Arteta's just changing it up too much. There's no consistency with the defence. Um, this Aubameyang on the left situation. Now Tierney's out for four to six weeks. I, I, I just don't know. I really do not know how far we can go. Maybe we can get past Prague. I expect us to get past Prague, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I think the next semi finals probably the furthest we'll go. I've got to be honest. They're too inconsistent. They're just, this team just pees me off, man. It really does. And it makes me wonder what would have happened if Emery actually got trusted like Arteta did. And Emery had this squad. There's been a lot of debate about that. I'm sure we can talk about that another time. But I mean, yeah. it, I mean, come on, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's, oh man, oh, you know, just touching on that lack of trust for Emery. When you actually deep it and you actually go into detail of the players he wanted to compare to the players we bought, you really feel for the guy, like. And then we hounded him out as Arsenal fans, going, "This isn't good enough." We finished fifth mm-hmm. under Emery. And we were like, no, nah, this is good enough. This is rubbish. Yeah. No, nah, this is the worst thing. And we got rid of him. And it's like, if he'd have, yeah, if he'd have given that, given been given that trust, like Arteta said at the start of the last summer, I want party and I want Husamawa. We knew party was easily gettable because of his release clause. Husamawa was the one we had to do a bit of negotiation for. We spent all summer trying to do it. And we couldn't do it. So we basically, in the end, just went, okay, cool, listen, we'll give you the money for party because we know we can get him. Let's do that. The trust side of it, you're right. If we'd have given that trust to Emery that we'd given to Arteta, it could be completely different. Um, but, you know, going into the Europa League, I have a, yeah, I, I, I'm a bit more optimistic than you are. Mm. And this is, this is the Arsenal fan optimism merry-go-round that we always go through every year. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I remember at the start of the season, I predicted Arsenal to finish third. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Cue the... Uh, that was a lot higher than what I predicted. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I predicted. Yeah, please. Um, but I said, you know, look, uh, in, a, in a season where it looks like Arsenal are the cup team at the moment anyway, we, we look like we're a cup team. And we have we done for a few years now. We are a we cup are. team. Yeah. <sighs> Arteta's main focus on getting us to the Europa League final has to be his only focus. I don't want to see, you know, us going, taking it lightly in the Europa League, you know, playing, you know, a couple of fringe players here or there just because we're trying to balance both of them. Look, at the end of the day, we're 10th in the Premier League. We're a long way off of fourth. We're a long way off of sixth. We need a miracle, basically, to get back up the top of the table in in in, in the in the Premier League. Essentially, it's putting your eggs in the basket. And I know what people say is, yeah, but if you put all your eggs into that basket and we lose, what are you left with in the Premier League? Listen, that's a, that's a risk that sometimes you have to take because at the same time, we're in a situation where 
if we lose Europa League this weekend, if we lose this first tie against Prague away from home and they get an away goal advantage, that's the season pretty much done. And then you're looking for the rest of the Premier League season of, well, what are we doing? Just playing for, for, you know, for a bit of confidence going into next season? Probably not. And how far are we actually going to then slip down the table? Um, so it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to know what your lineup for tomorrow night would be. Um, yeah, I'm going to come back to what you said in a minute. But my lineup, um, like I said, I've, I've taken some players out because I'm not happy with them. So for me, Leno in goal, right back Bellerin, the two centre backs in Mary and Gabriel, left back Cedric, two in the pivot, Xhaka, Partey. On the right, Saka comes back for me. Um, in the middle, Smith Rowe, because uh, Erdegaard's got a little knock. On the left, Martinelli up top. Like, is it? That's, that's, that's my lineup. Because I can't okay. trust certain people right now. So, what about yourself? Uh, listen, I completely agree with that, you know. Um, it's interesting and to, to hear the two left-footed centre-backs at centre-back. Mm. I just, mm. I don't see it happening. No, nah, I don't see it happening either, but that's what I want. The problem is, I, I dream, we'd, you know? yeah, no, I reckon we'd see it a lot more if one of the two left-footed centre-backs were both-footed, the same way David mm. Luiz is comfortable both feet. If Gabriel could play a springer ball out on his right foot or Mari could, I reckon we would see that. And yeah. But I have a feeling... I don't know, man. I think I'd go with Leno in goal, 100%, obviously. Leno in goal. Um, Bellerin, I'd go in at right back as well. Although, you know, having just talked about Saka at left back, I think this is not the game to start that process. I think wait for the Premier League to start that. Uh, Bellerin, right back. I would probably go Chambers and Pablo Mari at centre back. Yeah, um, and, then, I just, yeah. and then Cedric at left back. I think this, you know, look, I put. In my video I did last week on, on Saturday, I put Gabriel as one of my players who I thought had a decent game up until the moment where he decided to slide and just completely miss the ball. And I said, look, at the end of the day, that is a mistake that can happen. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a mistake he does every game. And up until that point, he bullied Salah. Salah didn't get anywhere near him. It was what came after that with his, you know, silly, you know, lacklustre ball, ball out to the left, which cost us the third goal. Um I just have a, you know, with Gabriel, yeah, I think he's a confidence player and he needs to get the confidence player out of him. He needs to be a player that whatever confidence he has or whatever uh, form he's going through, he should be at the level always. So like, you know, we referenced in the past, uh, Bakari Sanya and Nacho Monreal as our Mr. Consistent. No matter how bad the team was, you always you always had a seven, seven out of 10 out of them every yeah, game. They were relied on, yeah. You know, we need that from our centre-backs. And I think, you know, Pablo Mari, other than, I think, the Leicester game in the first half where he had had that little bit of lapsing concentration in the centre-back role where they scored, oh, he's been oh, yeah. a Mr. Consistent for us. He's been a 7 out of 10 player every game. He, he hasn't put a foot wrong, and I'd like to see him given more opportunity. And I think Chambers coming alongside of him would be the option I'd go for. My only worry between the two of them is the, is the pace side of things. Now, Mari can, is relatively quick. You know, we've seen him uh, put the burners on against Jamie Vardy and beat him. It's Chambers on the other side. 
how quick is he or how quick can he win a foot race? Not that quick. Um, but that's the back four I'd go with only because I think it gives a bit more balance. And I think Chambers deserves maybe a bit more chance than Holden does, especially after what happened with uh, with Diogo Jota at the weekend. That was just, yeah. It was just... Listen, it was a repeat of what was the last thing? I said Sterling, this in my video. Yeah. Well done. Consistent. Consistent. And they give him yeah. a new deal. Whatever. The thing, I mean, look, the, yeah, no. right. the, the, the new listen, the new deal side of things we can get into at another video. I personally think that new deal is not bad, only because of his resale value and his English status. There, I said it, and I think it's one of those. You know what? With him, yeah, with Rob Holding, if that part of his game was eradicated right now, he'd be a perfectly good number three right uh, centre back. It's the short inconsistencies that he has too regularly you know we all said it after the game against man city cut that out of your game the lapse in concentration all you had to do was be touch tight to your man and we, we've got that no problem and he didn't he he saw jota over his shoulder he saw him he saw him he saw him and still decided to run into the center spot where there was nobody rather than staying with jota saying to callum chambers push out so if i clear the ball you've got an outlet but he didn't. Um, so that's why I would probably go with Chambers on that side of things. I think Chambers deserves maybe a spot at centre-back, a chance at least. And then I would go with a double pivot, as you mentioned as well, of, of Partey and Xhaka. That seems to be something that's actually growing a little bit in terms of a partnership that, we, that we're getting from the Arsenal. Um, and then I would probably go with Saka. I don't know how bad Odegaard's injuries. I know he didn't train yesterday, so I'd probably do similar to you. I'd probably go with Smith Rowe in the middle with Martinelli out on the left. And I would probably actually go with Aubameyang up top. Um, I have a feeling in European games, he seems to be getting a lot more chances than he does in the Premier League. And whether or not that's still the, the European footballing way of the defensive line is so high that he'll always get the opportunity to spring in behind. Mm. Post potentially. And if that is the case, then, you know, no, I want to say no better player than Aubameyang running in behind and finishing, but he missed three guilt-edged chances against Olympiacos. So who, who knows? Um, but I, I do have a feeling, oh, I do think that we should do, we should go with Aubameyang up through the middle. Lacazette, for all is good, he's also registered zero shots against Liverpool in his last, well, his last game. He didn't register anything. Um, he was excellent against West Ham, but he has these games where he's either really good or yeah. he's absolutely terrible. Where yeah. as a striker, you listen, we, we've seen strikers in the past who you know who uh rely on sitting in the middle of the box and just finishing a, a nice move done. Cool. Lacazette's not even that player. He's not even that player where he will guarantee you at least a shot a game. He's a player that can either get you three shots a game or minus 10 shots a game because he's so far deep into his own half that he's not even nearly in the in, in the opposition half. Um, and, man, the, the worst thing is with this football club and, the like I said, the Arsenal optimism merry-go-round is that we watch a player like Lacazette have a brilliant game against West Ham and say, you know what, actually, maybe we should give him a one-year deal because he still offers us a lot. And then the following week, we go, bro, this guy is an absolute donkey. Let's get him out of this club right now. He needs to be gone in the summer. And then the following week against 
at Slavia Prague if he plays tomorrow night and he bangs in a hat trick, we're going to go, oh, look, look what he's just done. He's got a hat trick. We need to sign him up to a new contract because we ain't got no one else who does this. <laughs> and then the following weekend against Sheffield United away from home, he does absolutely nothing again. We're going to go, bruv, what is this? Like, we need somebody just consistent. I just want somebody that's going to average me a goal again. That's it. I don't care. Just give me a goal again or a 0.8 yeah, I, where you're at least getting chances. I agree with you. The only reason why I picked Lacazette is because, for one thing, with Aubameyang, it just, for, for me, just his body language just looks like I can't be arsed. Playing striker and playing out on the left. I mean, look, the last time I saw Aubameyang look dangerous up top was Leeds. After that, mm. you know, the Olympiacos game, I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You're trying to go back hill. You're really trying to do a back hill in that moment of time. I can't support that. You know, the amount of chances you had that in Olympiacos game, I'm like, bro, what, what, what do you want? What do you want? The, you only, the only thing, yeah, the only thing I would counter that, that is, right. sorry, the only thing I would counter that is the fact that he's getting those opportunities. And no, I, I feel, I want to say that I feel if that was Lacazette, he'd still be on the edge of the box waiting for the ball. Like he'd expect someone like Pepe or Saka to be the ones in the box having that chance and he's just waiting for the rebound because it's like, as much as he's a striker, he's more of the old number 10 striker where he, he, he'd he be a great support striker. If we played two up top, he'd be a great support striker. He'd be the second in man. The old you know, look, system, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like obviously yeah. I'm not comparing him to Burkamp, but Burkamp never scored a million goals. Yeah, he'd always get you at least double figures, 10 goals a season. That's what Lacazette does. Mm. He's not the player you rely on to get you 20 league goals a season. That essentially is a Bamiang. That is a Bamiang's role. He want you need him to get you 20 league goals a season. And against Olympiacos, he got into the positions where he should be finishing every chance. That that is that's my only thing where I think a mm. Bamiang, as much as I agree with you, his body language. I want to say that even his body language was as terrible as it was against West Ham. It gave me a glimmer of hope. Nothing, man. Yeah. It gave me a glimmer of hope when he celebrated. He could have easily just done, he could have easily carried on walking and just be like, yes. But he celebrated just to be like, okay, cool, listen, I played terrible, but I'm still a part of this team. This is still my team. He didn't walk off and just go, oh, fuck this shit, man. I've been subbed off. I don't care anymore. Like, oh, wicked, we scored. Well done. Look, we've, we've, we've equalised. Brilliant. No, he he celebrated just to be like, this is still the team that I want to play for. That gave me a glimmer of hope. And that's mm. the only reason why I'd play him still and I'd still persist with him up front because at the end of the day, he's still your best striker. You know, if you're yeah. if you're going to rely on Eddie, Eddie and Ketia to score you goals, then good luck. I mean, boy, you'd be waiting forever if you rely on that. But what I will say is, like, you know, look, I'm not doubting Aubameyang's ability. I know on a good day, it could be absolutely crazy. I still remember the, the last two games in the FA Cup. You know, Man City, he, he did it on his own. The Chelsea, the final against Chelsea, that last goal was just absolutely fantastic. The way he just, just lit, lobbed it over Caballero. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Even a little piece of skill he did before that. But yeah. it's like, where is that guy gone? I don't care. And, you know, yeah, he has a, he should be playing up top consistently because that's what I said from the moment they signed it to us. I said, listen, if we're going to re-sign him, he needs to be playing up top. We need to let go of Lacazette. I still, yeah. I still am with that. Don't get it twisted. I mean, it's what I want Lacazette to start. And like I said, my reasons for him is because, yeah, he drops in deep. Because let's face it, our midfield is a bit... It needs a lot of help. 
even when we got Odegaard and Smith there, it still needs help. However, when he drops in, now I look at the Chelsea game and the West Brom game as an example, when he's dropped in, he's allowed the likes of Smith Rowe and Saka or Martinelli to come in and let them do their thing. You know what I mean? He's been a supportive, like he said, a supportive striker to help these guys because these guys are young, hungry guys that, you know, they possess a lot of skill and quality in them. And, of course, it still needs fine-tuning for all three of them. Don't get it twisted. They're not the finished start of that. But for Lacazette to allow them to do that, I don't see a Bamiyang doing that enough. No. You know, you're the captain as well. And I'm still peed off about the North London derby thing. How are you coming up late? You know, you're a catch. You're supposed to be the first one there. You know, I sound like a WWE promo. But, but, <laughs> you know, but, the, but the thing is, yeah, it's like, you know, you need to sort this out. That's the thing. Aubameyang, he is, a, he is the best finisher at the club. That is a fact. But it's just, I'm not feeling that that Aubameyang from last season, the season before that, and the season when we signed him, even though that was in January. And he was, and even then when he came in, he was just... He got something like twelve goals in fourteen games. Like he, he was hitting the he was hitting the heights. What annoyed me was the fact that if if he was even allowed to play in that Europa League, I think we get a better chance to win it that year. But it was what it yeah. was, and then you know, I just it's just ah, it just frustrates. You know, me. the, the, the thing, thing is, about- no, I completely agree with you, and and you know what, the the Arsenal fan in me and the passionate emotional fan that says all these players that played against Liverpool. Like you all could piss off, and we'll play the likes of Balogun up front. We'll play Nelson. We'll play uh, Saka. We'll play this person, this person who will actually yeah. show some fight, who will actually put in the work and put in the hard graft for the team that they love. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You just can't no, risk can't. not. You just can't risk throwing in your young players all the time just because you're pissed off with your experienced players. Because at the end of the day, the experienced players still have something to offer. And look, this season, I mean, people can laugh at the XG. And if you are a person who understands XG and who can follow XG, last season, the season before last, he outperformed his XG. His XG was really low and he mm. outperformed it in terms of his goal scoring. Yeah. This season, post-January at least, he's underperforming his XG. He should be scoring a lot more. You know, those three chances against Olympiacos, those three chances against Benfica, all three, all six of those chances he misses. So already we know full well that he should be scoring ahead of his XG. And he's not. And there's a part of me that still thinks he offers so much in an attacking sense. It's just how do we get it out of him? How do we, you know, and it's just, it's one of those ones where I'm still pissed off with his actions in the North London derby. Mm-hmm. But a part of me thinks that if had he played in the North London derby, where would he have played, firstly? And secondly, would he have had a similar impact to Lacazette? Now, albeit Lacazette had a really poor game against Tottenham, mm. but he was the man who won the penalty and he was the man who scored the penalty. Um, yeah. I don't know. What's your prediction for tomorrow night anyway? They're going to call me crazy. 2-0 Arsenal. That is what I believe. With the team that I picked anyways. 2-0. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say 2 or 3-0 to be fair myself. So it's not that far-fetched in fairness. Um, fair play. So then what I'll do, we'll, we'll move on a bit then. Obviously, we've spoken a little bit. 
about Arteta. And I don't want to just throw out the are you Arteta in or Arteta out. <laughs> because I could go into detail if you ask me that anyways, yeah. but it but is what it is. What what is your opinion of Arteta? What is your opinion of how he's managed situations in terms of his substitutions? Because we can all agree his substitutions have been very questionable. Um and we can look at it from a perspective of, you know, listen, we've had a lot to deal with in terms of COVID, in terms of uh, lockdown, in terms of financial restraints on the club. Obviously, no Europe, no Champions League football. So that's obviously taken into consideration his own battles he's dealing with in terms of players like, you know, Ozil, Kolasinac, Mustafi. And obviously, credit goes to Edu for getting rid of them. When I say getting rid of them, he just basically paid them off. Um, but what is your thoughts on Arteta and how much time do you give him? How much time do I give him? He would have been out already, mate. I'm okay. not even joking. He would have been gone from, from, um, there's at least two games, but maybe one game might have been more of a reaction, which will probably have been Aston Villa at home. I was absolutely disgusted with that performance. So and like- yeah, that game... But I'd probably more lean towards the Burnley game. I'd have just said, look, that's enough, man. I've had enough. Do you know what I mean? Because that mm-hmm. game was absolutely horrible. I felt we could have got something out of that game, but the way he set up, um, it's just, he annoys me, man. He really does because, you know, I wasn't exactly a happy camper when we were linked with him. Even when after Wenger, I thought, oh, no, no, no. Go get Brendan Rodgers for me, please. And a lot of people are taking a piss out of that. I was like, how? But look at Leicester. They're yeah. people, they're not laughing no more, are they? They, they want Brendan now. Hmm. Funny that. <laughs> Anyways, um, we had Emery. We, it went, he came, he gone. That's that. I take a comment. I said, you know what? All right, you're going to be the manager, so I'll support you. But any fraudulence, you know what it is already. And I wasn't satisfied with the fact that, you know, we finished eighth. But the FA Cup, okay, it papered over the cracks. It was, it did, but I think we've done really well in that whole cup run, to be honest with you. Mm. I mean, Sheffield United was, I'm not saying it was tougher than City and Chelsea, but I mean... It was, it was, it was. It was, in a sense. It really was. I mean, City threw everything at us, but we defended very well. Um, Sheffield United, I mean, once they I was like, oh God, the Sophia. Oh, I know, uh, I know. We could talk about Sophia another time if you want. I don't want to. I have no. Int- I have no intention. He's going to be gone you, at the end you. of the season. I have no thank intention you. of mentioning that guy's name ever again. The top. fact that I, the fact that I called thank him, you. like flipping Santi Cazorla 2.0 after that Burnley game last season oh, at home. Oh. <laughs> I, I feel oh, disgusted. I had to. I washed my mouth out. I had to wash my mouth out with soap and, and pickle and everything that my nan used to wash my so- my mouth out with every time I swore. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about him. Let me get some baking soda and wash my mouth. <laughs> Good lord! I, I I complained to everybody on Twitter. I was like, "Why is everyone getting gas to surprise? One game. Let's chill. It's the Arsenal optimism merry-go-round. I keep telling you this. I I left that ages ago. I left that after Van Persie. I left that. Please don't, bring up, please don't bring up the the reptile, I know. But look, all right, let's just get back to our <laughs> Oh, my God. We could be there 
for a good longer than that. But anyways, look, Arteta's just, I don't know, his man management skills have been absolutely awful. I mean, the way he's kind of just left Saliba out, I wasn't satisfied with that. If we knew Mustafi, thank God that's, he's gone. Socrates, all these guys were going to be exiled out. Why was Saliba sent to the under-23? A part of me kind of gets it, but a yeah. part of me doesn't. Because I'm looking at Fafana, who was his partner at Leicester. He's getting a run of games. Yeah, Sionchu was injured. I get that. But still, it's not like Brendan Rodgers or Leicester decided, OK, Fafana, you know what? We're going to get you, send you back out on loan. You know, we had to wait a whole year for Saliba to come back from loan after Emery's first season, right? Just yep. for him to go back, be, be out of the team, not even fit in the Europa team. Not even the Europa team. So not even the League Cup. Not even the League Cup. Cup. I know. This is what I'm this is that's what killed me the most. Plays with the under 23s. Okay, fine. Maybe once certain men are gone in January, you can come back in. Nope. Go back on. Maybe maybe Arteta saw that video that went out viral before everyone else did. He might yeah, he probably did, but you know what? (laughs) He probably did, but at the same time, I think to myself, you have to get this guy used to the, the league, yeah. obviously, look, playing with the under-23 is obviously Premier League 2 is totally different from Premier League 1. But at the same time, you've got to get him used to um, England, the, the weather, the way we play, X, Y, and Z, right? So I still think he should have done enough to keep him in there, you know? But he let me down with that. He let me down with Granite Xhaka. I know how people feel about Xhaka, but... Him telling, begging him to stay. If, look, my thing is, I would have said this: if he re, if it was a really down to a financial situation, and he begs Xhaka to stay, because that was the first red flag for me, right? And I had my gripes with Xhaka. I would have just said, Xhaka, finish the season off for me. I'll let you go. If that was the case, then fine, then mm. fine. But no, because Xhaka for me, yes, he has somewhat played better than he has in the last few years still not good enough for me still need to let him go but there's just i don't get it he he messes up all the time he still gets picked bet the same for better and he finally got that on his head you know as we make the nars treatment it's like why did you keep him if you're not going to use him you might as well just sold him mm-hmm. I, I i don't get that you know and a bam yankee's getting shoehorned in the team you're not brave enough to drop him it's just it's just certain things I, I have my gripes with him. His man management skills is poor. You quoted the substitutions, his treatment of certain players, and I feel he's got that Mourinho bit about him where it's like he trusts more of the experienced players than the youngsters. And that's what annoys me about Arteta. I mean, yeah, you could say Saka and ESR, but let's face it, Saka was already there in the team. And yeah. ESR, he had no choice. Let's face it, we needed a number 10. Oh, never happened. And then by the time the Chelsea game came, it's like, well, we got no, we got nothing. So, you know, Emil, you're back. You're ready. Let's give it a go. And since then, Emil Sufro has put his foot down and said, listen, you can't play without me. And he's right. And then Odegaard yeah. comes in. Same thing. It's like, okay, the young players have been carrying the experienced players. And what he's kind of done is turn his back on the youngsters in a sense. And especially Martinelli, I thought, yeah. At first, I thought, okay, he's protecting him. Then after a while, I was like, nah, do you know what? 
why? Why? What's going on here? Because you're not really giving them a fair shot. And then the treatment of Pepe, look, I don't think Pepe is the answer, personally. I wanted Will Zaha. That's who I wanted at the beginning. Because so he's really proven. Do you know what I'm saying? So did, exactly, so did Emery. But, you know, Pepe's just too lukewarm for me. Mm. You know? And it's like, you don't trust him. I can understand why. But it's like, you need to let him loose. There's too many handcuffs on a lot of these players. And I feel Arteta is more scared of conceding a lot of goals like we did with Emery and somewhat with Wenger as well. But at the same time, you're too secure. You need to let the forward line go. So ultimately, I've, I've, I've had enough with this manager already, but it's who do we bring in? That's my question because all these, all the fan, some of the fan base think we can go get these big managers. I'm like, listen, if that's the thank you, because listen, we can get rid of Arteta. I've got no loyalty to this guy. This guy played for Arsenal, he won an Arsenal legend, he did his bit, he won an FA Cup, he was a captain for a bit, then he dipped and retired. Cool, right? But when you think about it, if Arsenal were going to bring in a top manager, why did they not do that in the first place after Wenger? I know there's so much after Wenger, after Emery also, because Emery wasn't even on their list. He just come out of nowhere and just said, okay, he accepts the conditions because all the other top managers were like, no, why? No, I need a transfer budget. Enrique, Ancelotti, um, Allegri, all these guys who are serial winners turned it, said no. Said no. Why? Because of Arsenal's tight restraints. They see Arteta get get the chest. And it's like, after winning an FA Cup, so I would have liked to have questioned, okay, so if Arteta didn't win the FA Cup, would we have stuck with him? Also to that, would you have promoted him to be the manager or still, would he still be head coach? Honestly, this club, this is why I don't trust the club. Though, <clears throat> it's so many wishy-washy, back to front. There's no plan. They try and tell us there's plans. What? You're bringing Edu and everyone's happy. Get that over Mars is over Mars is available. Go and get him. You've seen what he's done at Ajax. Bring him mm. in. Do you know what I mean? But they won't do that. They won't bring in an experienced coach after him. They'll probably go and get Eddie Howe. I'm not even joking. If Eddie Howe don't take the Celtic off and I'll take this out. Watch. Because that's the type of club Arsenal are moving at. They're not moving like the club that we grew up and grew up loving under Arsene Wenger. But mm. the times have gone. And this is the thing. Eddie Howe, you just mentioned like, Eddie Howe. It just gave me chills, man. I can't do that. Please don't do that. I, I, listen, I don't like mediocrity. I hate it. My objective for Arsenal is to be eventually getting back to competing for the league title. But there's mm. so many steps we have to take to get mm. back up there. We have to start again. Reset the team. The manager, listen, they're going to continue with Arteta. They need to bloody support him and get some real number twos next to him. Because whoever that number two is with the bloody earpiece, Get rid of him. He don't look like he did absolutely shit. I'm being honest. I can't stand it. Everything oh, is poor from top to bottom. The owner is the main issue. But I'm sorry, I kind of went over the question. No, 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 no. You know what? Listen, I, I yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, but to no, to be honest with you, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said there, to be fair. I can I can't argue with anything you really you've said what you said. I can only put into some sort of perspective. Mm. So, for instance, the Saliba instance. Mm -hmm. I can get why Arteta, who's a young, inexperienced coach himself, 
who wants to get back to Champions League football, has said to a 19-year-old, I can't put my faith in you being my main guy. We can all get behind that, I think, if you're going to say, listen, if he was if he was uh, Jose Mourinho and said to him, cool, I trust you enough, fine, because Mourinho's an experienced manager. He's won everything, blah, blah, blah. The fact that I'm referencing Mourinho and saying Arsenal, it makes me sick. Um, but, Don't get me started. <laughs> but if it was an experienced manager and said to this guy, listen, we can't put you in right now because you're too inexperienced. And I don't want you, a £28 million centre-back, making a mistake and you having to say to yourself, oh, man, I don't think I'm good enough to play for this team. I want you to go out and get more experience, come back and show me that you are the best player or the best centre-back, not just at the club, but sod it, in the league. And I want you to come back and say, I want that spot. If you're not going to give me that spot, I will take it from whoever it is you've given it to. So I can see why he's done that. I can see why he's put he's maybe not not played him in Europa League, maybe not not played him in the the League Cup. But on the same flip side, we've had what? Who did we have at the centre back? We had Rob Holding, we had Callum Chambers, we had Mustafi, we had Socrates, we had David Luiz, we had Pablo Mari, and we had Gabriel, and then we had Saliba. So you're already saying to Saliba, who's already young and inexperienced. You've got to get ahead of seven other pay- people to be my starting centre back. Remember, all seven of them, exactly. So well. yeah, but then you're saying to them, by the way, all seven of these players have played over probably 200 games of football. You've That's played true. about 40 or 50 or 100, however many you played. But so in some respects, I can see why uh, Arteta said, "Look, I can't put my trust in you," and I completely get that. The fact of the matter was that we didn't get the deal wrapped up with San Etienne in the summer, sending him back on loan. Because if he sent him back on loan in the summer, we're talking about a completely different scenario here. What we're, do- what we're not talking about is the fact that we screwed up in the fax machine, sending the fax papers too late to, send to, to the Premier League or to whoever it was, to say, this player is going back out on loan. We then said to him, OK, you're going to go to the under-23s, even though you're 10 times better than every player that plays in the under-23s. But we don't quite trust you enough to put you in the Premier League squad. He, he made one senior squad, one, from October or August up until the point he went out on loan in January. We couldn't trust you enough to play you in the League Cup. We couldn't trust you enough to play in the Europa League group stages, even though we played the likes of Balogun. We played um, other you know, youngsters. We put Nketiah as our main uh, Europa League player. Aziz came out and got a Aziz run came out and got a run out as well. Yeah. So do I. I just, I, yeah, he's. He, I'm hoping he gets a Premier League promotion mm. next season. Um, but other players, look, I can. With the other players as well, Granite Xhaka, I take a bit more difference of opinion to what you do. And I completely agree with what you said, by the way, though, that he wanted to go in the January after what happened with the captaincy. And Arteta basically said, no, I want you to be here because at the end of the day, right now, before party comes in, you are my best sentiment. And I, 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 can't, do, I can't deal with it with, with Guendouzi and Torreira. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I can't get anybody in in the, in the summer or in January to, to replace you. And I have no idea where we're going to finish off in the league. So, you know, who knows what kind of budget we're going to have, although we spent 50 million on party. What I will say is the fact that Arsene Wenger put him as his main man. Unai Emery's put him as his main man. Arteta has put him as his main man. He's the captain of Switzerland. 
are we just looking at it because every time he makes a mistake for us, we go, I fucking hate this guy. Stop doing that. Or are we looking at it going, actually, you know what? He's actually a very good player. He just needs the right player alongside him. Because I've said it, and listen, you can laugh at me and everyone else can laugh at me. But to be fair, I put a few things. I didn't just say if he had a right foot, he'd be 10 times a player. I basically said if he had a right foot, if he was more agile and he was less and he was more disciplined, he'd be one of the best midfielders in the world. That's what I said. And again, but if you deep it, there's not that many factors that that really make him from being an average or a very good midfielder to being a really top midfielder. There's just certain things he can't do. I still like him. I still think he's a very good player, but I agree with you that we need an upgrade in that in that department. We need somebody who's got the agility. We don't want somebody who every time he gets stuck in a sticky situation, he just falls over onto the ball and expects a free kick, which now you've probably noticed yourself, referees have cottoned onto and they've stopped giving him free kicks. He doesn't get away with it anymore. So I agree with you in an extent where I think Jacker definitely needs to be a man that gets sold and upgraded on. But I also think if I had to keep him as a third choice centre midfielder, I wouldn't be so much against that. I'd rather him as my third choice centre midfielder than Mohamed Elneny or Matteo Guendouzi, put it that way. In terms of the younger players and the experienced players, I think what I said at the start where because he's an inexperienced manager himself, it's very tough to say, I'm an inexperienced manager, so what I'm going to do is, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lean on the inexperienced players because if they get stuck, if they get in a sticky situation, it's fine because they're inexperienced, they're stuck. You know, I can bring in the experienced players. Or he goes, well, my experienced players can get me out of it and they can help me improve as a club, as a team, and improve my managerial experience. What I do have problems with is his um, his inclusion of certain players. So like I said, at Bamiang at the start, left midfield. We know it doesn't work. It doesn't work in a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. It only works in a 3-4-3 where his, his defensive responsibilities are pretty much diminished. It doesn't work in the situation we're playing now. The fact that we played William consistently at the start, and although I referenced at the start that he has improved and I actually am starting to appreciate him a bit, it didn't help at the start where you played him every week, even though he was shit every week. I didn't get that at all. The Pepe side of things, I've had many debates with people about Nicola Pepe because if you watched him at Lille, he was a player where he, he would stay on the halfway line and just wait for the counter-attacking ball over the top and run on two. At Arsenal, he's been asked, especially by Arteta, to be the man who's similar to Aubameyang, track back, defend, and then help me start the attack. In recent weeks, in recent months, I think Arteta has trusted him a lot more in terms of playing him. Like In the, in the games where William didn't play, and neither did Pepe, Pepe was the first sub if we needed a goal. If we were 3-0 up, William came on to get him a bit of confidence. But if we were 1-0 down, Nicola Pepe was the first choice because he trusted him a bit more to get a goal than Willian. And, and you can start to see Arteta saying, OK, cool, I believe in you a lot more. That's why he played against Liverpool. He could have easily put in Martinelli in there or he could have easily put in Reese Nelson in there. But he put Pepe in there against Liverpool because he does trust him a bit more, I think. What I'm not too sure about his trust in Pepe is the basically, is he suited to Arteta's game? And is he too suited to the style Arteta wants? Because for all intents and purposes, on Saturday that he was trying against Liverpool, it just didn't work. And 
it, it wasn't working. But he didn't try and change that. He didn't say to Pepe, all right, listen, we've taken Aubameyang off. We're going to move you out to the left where it did work for a little bit. We're going to keep you there and just hopefully you can produce something against them, even though nothing has seemed to work so far. Um, and then in terms of, you know, his, his substitutions, like I said at the start, Oh man, they're, they're just the most hit and miss I've ever seen in my life. Like, Bamyang lasted 70 odd minutes. Like, they are literally, like, Bamyang lasted 77 minutes or 76 minutes against Liverpool. Why? We and knew West full Ham. well from the first, and West Ham. It didn't work. It wasn't working from the start. Like, why? Why do it? Uh, and I know you referenced a lot more things there, and I've not forgotten them, but you know, there's so yeah. much that you referenced in there. I personally, would say to, I would personally give Arteta another full season. And I know that can really go down the avenues of, God, this is going to get really bad if it doesn't work. So then we've got, then we are going into the realms of, well, who's available and who's willing to take this club from 15th, let's say, and try and get it up again. It will only be Eddie Howe. <laughs> there ain't going to be no other manager. You ain't going to find Max Allegri and say, Allegri, listen, we're 15th in the league. We ain't got no European football. We just want you to work week in, week out, Monday to Friday, Saturday game, Monday to Friday, Sunday game. That's all we want you to do. Get us. Oh, by the way, you ain't got no budget either, but we want you to work with this team and get us back in the top four. He ain't going to want to do that. And no one's going to want to do that. No, but with Arteta, I feel, I keep saying this, and I'm really, listen, This is I'm still in. I think I'm like halfway up the top of the merry-go-round. Like I'm sort of at the top there in my, in my optimism. I'm still waiting to come back down so mm -hmm. I can jump off it. Um, but give Arteta the opportunity to bring in the players he wants. So listen, we can all say that Partey has had really good games this season. He's had some poor games, but he's definitely our best midfielder without a shadow of doubt. Oh, Gabriel's yeah. come in and, you know, let's say he's played 30 games. For 25 of those games, Gabriel's been our best centre-back this season. I, th I still think personally David Luiz is our best centre-back and that's a problem in itself. But yes. bringing in someone of Gabriel's quality as a centre-back is fine. Kieran Tierney, although obviously Emery brought him in, Kieran Tierney has gone on tenfold in his game under Arteta. Um, with a couple of additions, I keep, this is the usual thing with Arsenal. Two or three more players and we're perfect, no problem. The problem is it's, it's two or three more players and then another five or six squad players who are of equal calibre. That's the problem. And that's where we're not going to see that. And the problem is, look, I've put it together and we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. I've put together a compilation of positions that Arsenal should look for and where I, who, what kind of players we can look at. The chances are we're going to sign two out of the five players that I've, put, I've, I've mentioned. And they're probably not even going to be the first, second or third choice. It'll be the same summer that we tried to sign um, Lacazette in the summer, who it was, and we ended up with Lucas Perez even though every person in the world told Wenger don't go for him because he's terrible and Wenger still went for him. It's going to be like that. Yeah, I ain't that. Yeah. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just deviate slightly into the summer transfer business because, you know, uh, I mean, I've, this is the, these are the positions I think we should aim to go for. And obviously you can add in your own who you think we should go for. But I've said a right back, centre back, Central midfielder, attacking midfielder, because obviously you remember Erdegaard's only on loan, 
and a striker for our summer transfer business. And obviously the goalkeeper side of things, I have a feeling we'll end up with Matt Ryan and that's not a bad number two option. Yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty okay with that. But the other five positions yeah, I, mean, I mentioned, do you think that's do you think that's okay, or do you do you have any other op, um, other positions where you think we should strengthen? Left backs for one, I think that is. Oh just yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. As the right yeah. back, I mean, yeah, good Lord. Um, so what? With, wait, so you said centre back, right back, centre midfielder, centre attacking midfielder, and striker. Did you say? Striker. Only because I feel like we've well, got so much in the wide options. And unless we sell so Reese Nelson. Well. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Nketiah will go. I have a feel. Well, Balogun ain't signed a contract, so the boy is gone. Um, Tyree Strangles as well. He's still out on loan. I, you know what? I think he'll go back on loan, you know. I have a feeling he'll go back out on loan. And I wouldn't be mm. listen. I, I'd, I'd happily send him out on loan to a top level championship club or a premiership club next season. Even if he doesn't play a lot of games, even if he doesn't play many games, being in and amongst a, a Premier League first team squad ain't going to be a bad thing for you in the slightest. And if you're that kind of guy, where listen, you're losing one nil, and we've exhausted all of our options on the substitute bench, and we're going to say, all right, look, kid. Just jump on, just run around. We need you to do your game. Just play your game how it is. If you score, you score. If you don't, you don't. I just want you to put some pressure on their defenders. Fine. Mm -hmm. And he comes mm -hmm. on and scores. Then it kind of boosts that confidence level, doesn't it? But yeah. we have got a lot of striking options. I agree with you. But I, I just think that, like I said, I can't settle anymore for Lacazette being a hit and miss kind of guy. I really can't. And I can't settle with, if, if we're not going to play a Bamiang through the middle, get somebody who you're going to trust to play every game. Listen, as much as I don't like to credit Tottenham, but listen, Harry Kane's got a seven-week injury. Man's back after one week because they've injected him with all sorts and he still plays on. And as much as I'm saying to myself, I don't really want us to do that with our players. I don't want us to cause even more injury. We need to, be the, we need to have a player that we can rely on to be... To get you a 9 out of 10 every game up front, not a 10 out of 10 against West Ham and then a 0 out of 10 against Liverpool. I just can't have that. No, I We can't that. be that team. We can't be that team that does that. Um, no. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen with you. Hopefully this works. And I'm going to share the entire screen. No, I'm not. I'm going to share. What am I going to do? I'm going to, no, I'm going to share the entire screen. Hopefully this works. Tell me if it does work. Uh, yes, yes, it is working. All right, cool. Yeah. So, so the right back options. These are the players that we've been linked with, and obviously, you can see Hector Bellerin at the front. There is the main person. So, this is basically stats off of FootballCritic.com. Mm. So we've got Bellerin, we've got Emerson Royal from Real Betis, who in recent weeks has gathered a little bit of pace in terms of players linked with us. Uh, Max Aaron's. Tarek Lamptey, I put in there 11 appearances because obviously he got injured at the start of the season. And then Ashraf Hakimi, who he does play as a right wing back, but, you know, can he be included as a right back? Who knows? So mm. to start off with, we've got obviously the general overlay of their players. So goals, assists, yellow card, red card, man the match. In terms of goals, you can see obviously everything labelled in green is who's leading. So goals and assists, Hakimi... Um, leads that apart from with the assist, Emerson Royal has four assists this season. So from a right back position, Emerson Royal is not doing that bad considering compared to somebody like Bellerin or compared to somebody like Lamptey and Max Ahrens, 
who have one and zero compared compared mm. to the other two. Um, obviously, yellow cards, red cards, it's not a competition of who gets red cards and yellow cards, but Lamptey seems to be the most disciplined in terms of yellow cards. But then over an average of three, over 11 appearances, it's potentially he gets more in that in that situation. Um, and then man of the match awards, Emerson Royal as a right back. I mean, you can see he's got five... Um, Man, the matches compared to the rest of them. The rest of them have one and two between them. Um, so then we go down to the passing uh, passing statistics. So per 90, how much completions, final third entries, and then long balls. And Emerson Royal seems to be the man who overall has the best ability. So 48.9 passes per game, which is, uh, which is two more than Bellerin. Completion rate, Bellerin has the most completion, but, you know, look, Royal, Emerson Royal's, Two percent behind him. The final third entries is the one that surprised me. Seventeen point one pass into the final third. Now somebody alluded to me the other day. This could be sideways passes, but when you look at his assists and how many assists he get, mm -hmm. you, you you look at maybe he's actually a player that gets down the touchline and down the byline and maybe takes those deep crosses in early on, uh, which mm. is you know, which is good. Uh, the defending side of things, I mean, look. Emerson gets one in two, basically. He gets every for every tackle he gets, he, he he or every two tackles he makes, he 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 wins one of them. But the short span of how many tackles per attempted and one per ninety, Hakimi's just about there with you know a zero point five uh, differential. Uh, aerials and jewels. Again, the aerial side of thing, Tarek Lamptey seems to be the one that wins it. But at the end of the day, Tarek Lamptey's like two foot nothing. So you can't really put a lot yeah. on that. Um, and then clearances, again, it, you know, Emerson wins that. He's made 2.4 clearances per game, rough, roughly. The next person down from him is Max Ahrens, who averages 1.8 uh, clearances per game. And then the errors side of things. So obviously it seems Bellerin, uh, Aaron's and Hakimi make will have not made any errors leading to a goal scoring opportunity. Thankfully, all of them have not made a single error that led to a goal. Um, the possession loss. Now, this is an interesting stat. Hector Bellerin leads that in the amount of times he gets he loses out on possession, which is only 12. He's only lost out on possession. He uh, roughly averages 12 possession losses per 90. Um, and then disruption side of it. So interceptions, recoveries, and touches, Emerson leads the way in all of them, which is a very interesting stat in terms of how busy he is and how switched on he is in, in, in his awareness in his game. Uh, creation, obviously, like I said at the start, Hakimi plays as a right wing back, so naturally it looks like he'd be, he'd be getting down the touchline a lot more than the rest. But Emerson is two behind him. So per 90, he averages big, uh, or sorry, in terms of this season, he's averaged five big chances. Uh, dribbles per 90, Lamptey and Aaron's lead the way. And then crosses per 90, Lamptey averages 3.6 crosses per 90. Um, no, sorry, I lied. It was actually Hakimi, sorry, that averages four. But again, it's the sort of reference in the right wing back situation. His, he will always, he, it will seem he will always get more opportunity down the right hand side because he's a right wing back. And I told you earlier, you know, it, the diminished responsibility of his defensive side of it will obviously play into that, um, which how it plays into the um, attacking side of it. So shots per 90, 
uh, on target and how many times you get into the box. Hakimi is heading all three. Um, but again, that's possibly to do with the fact he's um, in the right, right, right wing back situation or right wing back position. So he'll always... Um, He'll always get forward as much as possible. But from what I've just put there forward to you, mm. out of the options I've given you, who would be your option to go with going forward? Obviously, we, we've said that Bellerin needs to be upgraded on. But for me personally, Emerson Royal looks like the overall deciding factor, the overall deciding winner in terms of, excuse me, his overall game, attacking-wise, defensive-wise, Disruption-wise, you know, the lack of errors he makes per game. But listen, come to Arsenal, man. You'll be making five errors per game, no problem. Um, and then, the, yeah, I know, I know, I'm sorry. But, you know, his overall game seems to be where we can improve on. And mm -hmm. I've said it in a few of my videos, but you bring in somebody like that as a right-back, or you bring in a right-back, say, similar to Kirantini on the left, it opens up the options of... Saka and Pepe or whoever plays on that right side so much more. Like if you look at the way Trent plays for Liverpool and then you look at the way Salah has scored however many goals from an inside forward position, that's because Trent is always down that right-hand side. So Salah doesn't have to be down the right-hand side. But the problem with us at the moment is Pepe or Saka have to stay there because the right-back that we have behind them isn't trusted enough to keep bombing up and down. Um, what what are your thoughts on what I've just sort of shown you in terms of the right backs? Well, it's definitely changed my view a little bit because last season I've always wanted Max Ahrens. And yeah. this season, you know, it's been I've been looking at Tyrant Lamptey a little bit. Unfortunately he got injured, so it kind of comes to a little bit of a halt there. I mean, he's he's played absolutely fantastic for the times he's got injured. Um, Akimi, I mean, this is what I've been saying because I even got into an argument with someone yesterday, and they got a little bit childish on their end because I said to them, "Well, if he's good attacking wise, then I want to know about defensiveness because that's yeah. always been our problem." I mean, a defensive right back, someone I I would like <coughs> in the modern game. You kind of need right backs to bomb forward and get back but they gotta have both you know yeah. and um royal i mean for me it's probably our royal because them stats they can't they can't be denied they look very no. very good and he's an actual right back instead of a right yes. wing back and as we know hakimi he has played right mid i'm sure yes. he's played right mid at, um when he was on, when he was at Dortmund on loan, on I think he did. But I think he did. That's what I'm saying. So it's like it only worked if Arteta was playing with a free at the back. Yeah, Hakimi makes sense, hundred percent. You know, and yeah, I only threw in Hakimi Royal just because there's been recent links in terms of Inter's financial situations and yep. potentially we could get him for a cheaper deal. But my only concern with that is then you're having to basically. Coach Hakimi defensively more so. And exactly. as much as, listen, as much as <clears throat> I think Trent's a very good right back, his defensive side of his game is questionable. Yeah. And yeah. I said this to a friend of mine, if he played as a right wing back, 
he'd be fantastic for, for, for England and for Liverpool. But the problem is Liverpool don't want to play with a back five. And mm. England, if we played with a back five, I'd go more so with a, a Rhys James and Trent because Rhys James has played there more often. So and he can defend as well, Rhys James also. So Yeah. So with too. the likes of Hakimi, mm. as a right wing back predominantly, you're then basically having to learn on the job your defensive side of things. And look, if we are to say William Saliba is going to come in at right centre-back, you're then basically saying to a young, inexperienced right-sided defender, your job is to make sure he doesn't go too far from me. So if you need to, I need to, to bring him in. I need you to make him stay in his position. I don't want him to be drifting all the time. And that's a lot to put on a player's shoulders. Um, so going slightly into the centre-back option of the right-sided centre-back, um, I have also done centre-backs. Um, so, centre-backs. Like I said to you earlier on off-air, that it seems that we there's not a lot of options for the right centre-back that have been muted to us. Um, and as you can see, I've included in William Saliba, James Tarkovsky, I read a report about a few days ago that there's potential that Arsenal could try and go for him. Koulibaly, who, listen, unless Napoli are go bankrupt, it's impossible, but there's always that thing of Koulibaly's, you know, one of the best centre-backs in the world. Uh, Daniel yep. Axel Zagadou from Dortmund, who is currently injured. So I think he's only played seven or eight games. So these statistics, for whatever his are green, you've got to take it with a bit of pinch of salt because we can't get an overriding um, proper statistical view of him. And then David Luiz, who... The reason I put David Luiz in, obviously, his contract's out in the summer, but there's potential that we could offer him another deal. Um, and... I'll come to my. I'll tell you the reason why or who I've gone for at the end of it. But as you can see from the statistics, I won't go into what I did in the last one where I've gone through every single one. But you can see the greens going through the general side of things. Obviously, uh, David Luiz is the only one that's got a goal. Um, obviously, a red card and the only one who has a man in the match out of all of them. Passing per ninety. The completion stat for me is the one that I'm intrigued about. William Saliba completes 90% of his passes and he averages 67.5% of his passes. That's so insane. he, exactly. And he's played, I think it's, let me just have a quick look at how many games he's played this season, actually, just so I can get like a rough figure. Um, definitely between 18. Yeah, I'm sure it has been actually. Um, but as you can see with the rest of the passing statistics, if you look at the long balls and the final third entries, David Luiz is the one that leads that way. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, if, and listen, That's we said it. Though. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and we referenced it before that uh, that David Luiz was missed very much against um, uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. So mm -hmm. this season, um, William Saliba said in 17 games, William Saliba has played, his he, he still completes 90% of his passes. And obviously, interesting fact today was that he's never been dribbled past since joining Nice. Um, in the uh, This is just from um, the Nice website, by the way. He's yeah. also won back the ball 99 times. He's in the top five in the whole of Ligue 1 since he, he, since he went to Nice. Only Anthony Cacci, Bruno Manga and Ngonda Mzinga have more ball recoveries than, than William Saliba. Mm -hmm. And he's also won 22 duels in the air or in the air and also on the floor for Nice, which is more than any other Nice player. So since he's gone back to France, since he's gone to Nice, William Saliba seems to be shooing for flipping defender of the year, it seems. Um, 
But if you look at the actual, the rest of them, so defending side of it, David Luiz seems to be the one who edges it in terms of tackles attempted in one per 90, aerials attempted in one per 90. Clearances, it's interesting that William Saliba leads on that side of it. Um, but errors that lead to goal, this is the one that was a little bit shocking, not so much, but errors that lead to goal. So Saliba has made two errors that have led to a goal this season since he rejoined these. Um, however, the stat then below that, possession lost, he's only lost the ball eight times. And as a defender, like going along with his 90% pass completion rate is very, very good. Mm. Um, and then for his disruption side, it's so touches per 90, interceptions and recoveries. <coughs> uh, Daniel Axel Zagadu seems to be leading the way, but like I said, he's only played seven games. So the next person down the list in terms of that would be... Kuda Bali, right? Kula Bali in terms of touches per 90. Yeah. Interceptions per 90 would be uh, Saliba. And then recoveries per 90 is also Saliba. So for us to look at a right-sided centre-back, we already have it in William Saliba. And obviously I've referenced his inexperience, but we already have a player like that. And while I was saying a minute ago about David Luiz, David Luiz overall is actually the best centre-back on that list, which... Mm -hmm. We said at the start, he's our best centre-back still at the club, which is really shocking. But my thought process would be, give David Luiz a new one-year contract and have him there with Saliba, with Gabriel, to help them through. He's not going to play every game, that's fine. But he can play the odd game here or there. But he's also going to be the man to help Saliba and help Gabriel get through the potential hard times or games in which maybe they're struggling a little bit, and then to allow them basically to become the partnership that we're looking at going forward for years to come. Um, what is, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, <clears throat> when I heard about the, the Louise, I'll start with David Louise. With the David Louise thing, when I heard one year extension, but he's going to be in a coaching role as well, I said, all right, fine. I, I, I wouldn't mind that that much because. As long as he doesn't play that much, unless it's an absolute emergency, and he's actually trying to coach them, then fair enough. Because look, no matter how many mistakes David Louise has made, which you know last season I was absolutely communing with him, all right. But he had he he has a his resume says a lot. It's like Tottenham fans look at Mourinho right now. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, you know. He, him, and Gabriel have pretty much been the best partnership. Yeah, this season, like there's no denying that, you know. So if that's the case, then fine. But again, you know, my only worry is, you know, it's just the experience. You know, like you said, Saliba looks already made. We just need to test him. That's the yeah. only thing. Whether it's yeah. going to be with Gabriel or marry long term, then fine. But also to that, this is the mistake of giving Rob Holden a new deal. It's like, why did we give him a new deal? Yes, I hear the whole give him a little bit more of a um, value. But I still, I don't know anyone that's going to be paying over 20 mil for Rob Holden. I'm going to be honest with you. Do you know what I mean? So that's the only thing that kind of mm. worries me. But Saliba, I've always wanted to give Saliba a chance, you know. Everyone's saying, oh, yeah, look at Fofana. He's getting more of a chance at Leicester. He's, he's been doing well. 
at times, and he has done well at times. You know what I mean? He has, he has, and yeah, he has. And it's injustice for Saliba. But obviously, two different clubs within two different you know realms of life at the minute. Leicester and trying to and you know, sorry, we're doing so. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say to be fair with the Fafana Saliba links. I want to put a little bit into context for everyone who goes, yeah, but Fafana's been playing. They've had a lot of injuries themselves. And I know Fafana started the season, but Soyonchu was injured. Uh, J- uh, Johnny Evans was injured. Obviously, Wes Morgan is still there, but he's been injured. So you're basically saying... Yeah. You're gonna, you're basically saying, I haven't got a lot of centre-backs. And obviously, I referenced the seven centre-backs that were ahead of Saliba before even the kick of the ball at the start of the season. Whereas with Leicester, I think they've only had five recognised centre-backs. They've even had to put Wilfred Ndidi at centre-back because of how short they were at times. So as much as Fafana, yeah, he's come in, I have a strange feeling, unless he's astronomically good, yes. Brendan Rodgers probably wouldn't have liked to have used him as much as he has done. The same way in which Arteta hasn't used Saliba. At the end of the day, you know, we always say about foreign foreign players coming into the Premiership, and especially young foreign players at centre-back, it's going to take them a lot of time to get used to the physicality of the Premiership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like I, like you just said, I want to see Saliba given at least a chance. Just give him a chance. Mm. If he doesn't do that, great, fine. But you know, for me personally, I look at Saliba when I've seen him play, sort of his body frame, the way in which he uh, moves the ball, the way in which he is, he does his little tricks on the ball, his turns and shimmies. I look at him and I see John Stones in him in terms of his remember with John Stones at Everton when before he signed for Man City everyone said what a defender he is but he takes too long on the ball he does these little tricks and skills that he doesn't need to in the corner but he still gets himself out of trouble there was a clip that went around of Saliba against PSG I think it was and everyone went look at this guy look at how good he is look how amazing he is man why is he not playing for Arsenal and for half of that video it was basically him facing up to an attacker and sort of doing a little uh, drag back to get out of the the way of the defender. And a part of me thought to myself, that's probably why Arteta isn't putting him in at the side at the moment, because he wants to maybe get that out of his game in terms of he wants him to be more simple. Get the ball, release it quick, spring an attack up the field. He doesn't maybe want him to dilly-dally on the ball. Look at John Stones this season. He's pretty much eradicated that out of his game. He gets the ball, he releases it to the midfielder or to the right back or to the other centre-back. I think in some respects, that's what Arteta wants from Saliba. Pick the ball up fine, but I want you to release it a lot earlier than you have been doing. Um, But just my reference to Stones and Saliba, if you watch Saliba, the little clips of him, and then you go and watch a Man City game of John Stones, I tell you right now, if if the skin colour weren't there, man, they'd look like the same person. I promise (laughs) you. And and the hair of Saliba, because that is a funky hairstyle, man. What he likes, isn't it? 100%. Um, So then moving on to the central midfielders, um, I'm a little bit conscious of time. I hope you're all right with the the, the longevity of the video. But Yeah, I'm I'm cool, bro. Um, So the central midfield options I went for. I hope my options are there. Let me see. Yes, he is. Okay. Okay, so cool. So, all right. Mm -hmm. So this player we've been linked with, and I think there's a few Real Betis players that we've been linked with um, mainly because of their financial situation. But Guido Rodriguez earlier this week and a half ago, I think, was linked with Arsenal. Then you've got yeah, Ibrahim Sangare, 
Bubakari Samare, Yves Basuma, and then a player from Palmeiras, I believe. His name is Patrick De Paolo. And for all Arsenal fans, if you follow the internet guru, Eduardo, uh, I want to pronounce his name correctly, Hagan, H-A-G-N. He said, this player is a very good player. We should be looking at him. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to include him in there just to see what kind of statistics this sort of statistics he holds up against the rest of them. So, like I said, I'm not going to go too much into this one, but for general side of things, goals, assists, um, Patrick De Paolo leads the way in goals, three goals, one assist, two yellow cards. Man in the match awards, it's interesting, Bubakari Samara has got that one. Passing side of things, Samara leads the way in per 90. Basuma leads the way in completion, obviously, at Brighton. They need to be a passing team. I was quite taken back by the fact that he only makes the averages just under 50 passes per game. You know, Ooh. Bubakari Samari at Toulouse, I think he's at, averages twenty, roughly 20 more a game. 20.7 final third entries for a player who is seen as a defensive midfielder. It could be probably said right. Mm-hmm. But 20.7 final third balls. And then the long balls is Patrick the Paolo makes around about 6.4 long balls. Again, the long balls are, uh, they could be ones that played over the top or played from deep. If he picks the ball up, etc. cetera. Um, tackling per 90, Basuma leads the way in the duels and clearances. In fairness, he doesn't do too bad in tackles attempted in one and also aerials attempted in one. So overall, Basuma leads the way in tackles. Uh, the error side of things, thankfully, none of them have made an error that leads to a chance or goal. I would hate to think what it would look like if Granite Xhaka's name was there. Um, possession <laughs> lost. <laughs> possession lost. Yves Basuma leaves the way in that one. He's just under 10. He, he, ever, he loses the ball just under 10 times per game. Uh, and then the disruption side of things, so touches and interceptions, recoveries. Um, what's his name? Uh, Ibrahim Sangari leads the way in that. So he, he, he recovers the ball nine times. But again, it's interesting to see Basuma recovers the ball eight times per game, roughly. Um, and then creation, so big chances. Patrick Dupala has made two big chances. Dribbles per 90. Uh, Sangare leads the way. I oh, know, sorry, Samari leads the way. Yeah. And then and then crosses per 90. I mean, it's it's under 0.5. So really and truly, it's a it's an invalid stat, let's be fair. Um, and then attacking wide, so shots on target and blocked per 90. Patrick Dupala leads the way in terms of all of those. So in terms of the whole the whole uh, board in terms of the central midfield option, it seems that the two players are up for debate is uh, Yves Basuma, uh, not Yves Basuma, sorry, Patrick Tabalo, who we have a very limited um, uh, statistical analysis of, or Bubakari Samare. I know you like Yves Basuma, don't you? Mm. I'm going to let you just talk a bit. Sorry, somebody's phoning me, which I need to take this phone. So I'll let you have your piece on who you think, the reason who we should buy. Well, after them stats, I mean, it's kind of hard not to go with Samari. I mean, them stats there look pretty awesome. Um, DePaul looks more of an attacking player. So I'm not sure if providing, if we don't sign Martin Odegaard, 
we can use him in that area. I'm not sure if DePaul would be the perfect player to be alongside Partey and then have Smith Rowe there, or if we signed Odegaard or have him for another year, he'd be there. So I'm, boy, I probably still have to, I probably still would go with um, Basuma because he's Premier League proven and that helps. So there's yeah. no adaptation time. That's that. Other than the way we're playing. But if he wasn't available, then it'd probably be down to be Samare and um, DePaul. But again, with the DePaul thing, I think he's more of, you know, I, I think I'm more playing as a number eight or a number 10, if yeah. I'm honest. So that's just, that's just my professional opinion. Yeah, I mean, the, the annoying thing is, uh, I look at Thomas Partey as a Rodri slash, well, I want to say, actually, let me do the, the goat, Busquets slash Rodri type player, mm. where he can be trusted to play in that position by himself. I don't think Arteta's quite got that just yet with him um, because, obviously, he seems to want to play somebody alongside him. He doesn't trust anybody else to basically get back enough and uh, help out enough to, to put alongside him or at least put it just ahead of him. Not that the Thomas Party is just a defensive midfielder, mind you, but I still look at him and say, look, if he had like like last season when I kept going in the in the realms of this is who I want us to play, this is or I want us to sign. If we had like a say, for instance, a Thomas Party in the middle or the base of your midfield, and then say a Smith Rowe and an Odegaard ahead of him, or a Odegaard and a Husum Hour ahead of him, where you've got the, the attacking lines, but you've also got someone that you can trust to basically shift across from right to left if you need to. I've always said that I want that. I think I'm growing a little bit more to somebody like Basuma because I've seen him play in the premiership. I've seen the fact that he's very tight on the ball. He's very, you know, seeing him live is obviously different to looking at the stats game mm. per game um, because obviously it takes like, a, it's a let's, let's say a 25 game and then it's say, okay, cool. He's made 10 tackles in this game, but he's only made two in this one. Let's average it out. Yeah. Um, so the specific games that I've seen Basuma play, I've always been impressed with him, and I've always said, look, this is the kind of guy we need. And if we if we are going to be serious about getting a central midfielder in, he's the kind of player we need to be getting in because you know at Arsenal we we're done with basically. Like I said before, I like Shaka, but the fact that every time he comes onto his right foot, he falls over on the ball and gets lost, or you know he can't run with the ball that's the one thing that annoys me with with him is that, he's, not sorry, mobile. That, he's not mobile agile enough he doesn't run with the ball and wow. um and that's the moments where you're like man imagine like every time a party got the ball even in the small you know five or six minute space in in the liverpool game where he picked up the ball and beat a couple of players and just ran with it tried to release a bamiang you saw okay look if we can beat that liverpool press with another player it's a lot better um, so I would probably, even though looking at the, the, the stats, I've always liked um, Samaria and I, we've been linked with him quite heavily before. I've always liked him, but I would still probably go along with you and say Yves Basuma would be the one that I would look at and say we should be going in for. So mm -hmm. I would agree with you on that one. Um, so last couple of ones are the attacking midfielder, and then striker. So we'll do attack midfielder first. And the options that we have, and I'm not going to be lying to you, man. If you look at the greens, I've just scrolled up and down. There's literally only one winner in this one. But uh, Buendia, Odegaard, Kahanoglu, Grealish, who all 
for, albeit has played out on the left, and Husimawa, who is kind of like a number eight slash ten. But if you just if I just scroll down slightly, you can see where the majority of the greens go. Yeah. <laughs> down that first people, well, a lot of people be hated, you know, because I remember all the talk in um, the summer, why would we go for him? This, that, and the third, and the money that um, Norwich want for him, I, you can kind of see why. You can kind of see why, you know? Listen, he's playing He's playing predominantly as a right-sided uh, midfielder, similar to how Emil Smith-Rowe has been playing on the left-hand side. So, again, it's not that it doesn't work. And like I said before, if you have a – this goes all the way goes back into my, my right-back question as well – if you have a right back that can allow your right mid right midfielder to to move inside and to to affect the play from an inside angle, you are basically assisting in another another role, not just your own, but another position to help with. But I mean, look, goals and assists. He's got eleven goals, eleven assists. The next person on that list with six goals is Grealish, and then ten assists. But again, he's played out on the left, and and he's not a player that tracks back. By the way, let's be honest. Um, passing side of it with Odegaard, Odegaard's stats are based on his Arsenal performances and which has only been about eight, I think. So 91% pass completion rate, fine. Um, the next person on that list is our with 85%. Interestingly, Buendia is the lowest on that with 78%, but mm. his final third entries and his long balls, to me anyway, it shows that he's a bit more adventurous with his passing and he tries a bit more in terms of creation. Um, and it goes down. So obviously his defending stats, Kahanoglu, no, Grealish, well, I, I, I just said he doesn't track back, but Grealish seems to be the man who wins the aerial and at least the dual side of things, maybe in terms of being fouled, etc. Clearances, when Deer's in there, which does that show to me that he's a bit more defensively aware and that he gets back a lot more than his to help out. Um, possession lost 20 times for... Um, Wendia, and again, it probably highlights a bit more in his in his uh, adventurous side of his game in terms of his passing, but his disruption. So touches, interceptions, and recoveries per ninety. Wendia leads the way in all of them. Uh, big chances created. Look at that. He's made. He's created eighteen big chances this season. Grealish is next on that list with fourteen dribbles per ninety. Grealish obviously leads the way with two point six. Uh, and then you've got our 2.1, but third on that list is Buendia with 1.6. And then crosses per 90, Kahanoglu leads the way with 8.2, but behind him is Buendia with 5.2. Attacking-wise, our leads the way in terms of how many shots he has per game on target and blocked. But then again, um, Buendia averages just under three shots per game, one on target, one blocked. And the decisiveness, how decisive he is, First goal, decisive goal, is both Buendia. So it just goes to show that he is a player that gets forward a lot and he tries to you know, aid his team a lot more. Thoughts on the attacking midfield side of it? Obviously, Buendia, like I said, he plays more on the right. Grealish is more out on the left. But the, the, the talk around Buendia and the talk around us linked with him is that he would play as an attacking midfielder and... You know, you know yourself, but the season before when they were in the Premiership, I think he was second or third on the list with chances created behind Grealish and De Bruyne. So in the Premiership, he can definitely play 
amongst the big boys. Exactly. And this is the thing. I mean, I've, I've, I've said this. On, I've gone on record and I've said this. I mean, look, I like Jack Grealish a lot, right? But the fact of the matter is, I can't see Arsenal paying the big bucks for him. No, neither can I. And it's not saying, oh, we have to, you know, that's your job. You're just thinking negative. And it's not, I'm not thinking negative. I'm, I'm thinking being real. realistic. Exactly. Arsenal ain't spending over 100 because it's going to cost over 100 mil to Aston Villa. And of people course, will be like, oh, Villa will come, he'll come, Greenish will come because if you pay him big money, this, that, and the third, players will come. What? I'm sorry. I'm. It, it doesn't matter like that because if that's the case, Vardy would have came to Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. He turned us down. He turned yeah. us down and he ain't, do you know what I mean? And, and we know Arsenal love to pay players big money wages and they don't do shit. We've seen it. And Wenger even came out on record and said, I offered Vardy a lot of money. Right. And this is the thing. Let's look at the teams we grew up watching Arsenal. Like, look, Henri didn't even cost that much. Perez, mm -hmm. Vieira, all those players didn't really cost that much. Yeah. The ones that Wenger bring in anyway, they didn't cost that much. And they went on to become yeah. legends. So, yeah. and of course, football's different now. Excuse me. But, you can still buy players for a good amount of fee and coach and, you know, they'll progress to do one better. And this is the thing. I think our problem is, you know, I think some of the fan base is a little bit spoiled. I'm thinking, oh, we should go and spend this amount of money, this, that. And don't get me wrong. I'd like to bring in quality players. However, I know this club ain't going to do it. No, So exactly. when you know a club's not going to do something, you have to be real with yourself and be like, well, they're not going to do it. No, so the more exactly. we cast, oh, Arsenal, you're, you're so cheapskates. Yeah, they are cheapskates. They are cheapskates. Yep. They always have been cheapskates. Yep. Let's be real. Aubameyang didn't cost a lot. He cost 50 mil. Yeah. Lacazette, same free. Yeah. You know? How much does Sanchez cost? People forget. How much did uh, Ozil cost? People forget. Ozil was 42 and a half. Sanchez was 35. And this is the thing, like we only Pepe is our highest transfer, yeah. and we know Pepe is not seventy-two million pounds. There's a oh, lot of fraudulence within that. There was a lot of backhanded dealings with Don Raul and stuff, and uh, boy, uh, this is what I'm saying. So, if you expect Arsenal to spend fifty million on top of what Pepe's got, Pepe's fee, because you're looking at Greenish for over hundred mil. Of course, a bit, you are. A, bit of a bit of will gladly, um, you know, I know it's COVID and that, but Villa will not be, they'll, they'll want more than 80 mil. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, um, 100%. So for me, I mean, them stats don't lie. I personally would like to give Odegaard another go, to be honest with you. You know, it's out of, yeah. for me, it's, it's out of Odegaard, Wendia, and Grealish. But if I had to, the thing is, I'm not gonna lie to you. I put, I put, yeah, I put Grealish in there because he's a player I want. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. More so, more so than I think it's realistic. A part of me, obviously, I love Odegaard. I think he's a very good player. I think he's, you know, he, he can. He's definitely a a player that can only improve. He's 22 for goodness sake. Um, mm. You know, last summer I was all in for our. I was so much ready for this guy to come into this football club and be yes, like he's the man I want. Now I'm like, yeah, his stats compared to the others, I'm like, nah, maybe not. You know, especially given the likes of Grealish and even Buendia. And you know, a lot of a lot of Arsenal fans I've even had problems with. They're like, oh, but you're signing a player from the championship. 
He's a championship player. I'm like, yeah, cool. But so is Andy Robertson when Liverpool signed him. So was Georginio Wijnaldum. He'd just been relegated with Newcastle. So was uh, Jordan Henderson. He'd just been relegated with Liverpool. I'm sorry, where are they Chris, now? Chris, let me give you the best thing. Where did, a barring Tony Adams, where did all that legendary back four come from? Exactly. The lower, the, exactly, the lower sides. George Graham looked in the local papers and saw yeah. where they came from. Stoke, Steve Fold came from Stoke. Nigel Winter Dixon came, came, came from, from Stoke. Stoke. Right. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and, and this is what I'm saying about the snobbery of the fan base. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, it's not, I don't want all these glamorous players as well. But when you know your club, don't spend the type of money that you would like. This is the real. I went Wan-Bissaka before Man United got him. I wanted Wan-Bissaka. Regardless, the yeah. guy one-on-one defence is, is, is ridiculous. But he's gone to Manchester United, so you have to think elsewhere now. Hundred and that's a fifty million pounds for a right back who we couldn't put fifty million pounds into a right back. We barely put fifty million pounds into a centre midfielder. Right, and, and, and look how long it took to get. Uh, and you know the thing is, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is as well, like mm. with the likes of Arsenal paying over the top for players, and uh, listen, if we have to go through X amount of years of buying mediocre Championship players. But are very good, by the way, and can help. Like, listen, Norwich are eight points uh, ahead at the top of the table. They're going to come up this summer. So signing Buendia is not even going to be an easy task. So just us, us no. just talking now and saying, let's sign Buendia. We'll probably have more luck trying to sign our, if I'm honest. But that's because the French currently, that's because the French league and exactly know, how much problems yeah. that's going on and all. Yeah. So, but it's signing, like signing, player like Buendia. Listen, I even yep. had a look at Todd Cantwell, who's also at Norwich. I've had a look, we've had like a look at uh, Max Ahrens. These are all players who are playing in the Championship who, let's be fair, can probably improve us a lot in terms of the way we play football. You look at uh, Michael Elise from Reading, there's talk about him going to buy Munich. He's a Championship player, but I'm sorry, he's not allowed to go to a big club because he's a Championship player. People, especially Arsenal fans, I'd rather us build a team of 11 very, very, very good players than 10 or 9 good players and 2 world-class players because look what that got us. It didn't get us a lot. It didn't no. get us a long way. No. And, you know, when we had the Invincible team, yeah, we had 11 very, very good players or 9 very, very good players with 2 world-class players in, well, 3 in Henri Vieira Yeah? Mm. Henri Vieira and Burkamp were our 3 world-class players but the rest of the team were very, very, very good players. You know? So... Us well, going, winners in there as well. Come exactly, on, that's mate. what I'm saying. But what us, I'm going saying? Into the, us going into the realms of we can't buy him because he's a championship player, where have our standards gone? Our standards, as much as we like it, have gone to the position where we... Not me particularly, and I don't know about yourself, but a lot of Arsenal fans hounded out Wenger, who kept us in top four year after year. We mm. wanted change. We haven't got the change because all we've done is actually gone declining. But now, the, the in fairness, in the situation where the market has changed, the other teams around us have changed, we haven't changed because of that. And also, we've got an owner who doesn't necessarily like to stick his money in his pockets, or his hands in his pockets, sorry. So, and people can reference that we spent over £500 million since Wenger left. I agree with that completely. But listen, it weren't well spent. 
it ain't necessarily no, been the most well spent money. Um, mm. You're spending seventy-two million pounds on Nicola Pepper. That could have been spent on two different players. Who, if you'd have actually looked deep into it and actually looked better into it, could have got you, you know, where we are now a, a lot quicker. Let's put it that way. We could have got, we could have uh, got parties, you know. Imagine of course we could have. Yeah, of course we could have. Uh, um, so what I'll do is listen. We, we can talk about the attacking midfielder, but my option is personally would be Buendia. Uh, I do love Odegaard, don't get me wrong, but I just have a feeling that he will go back to Real Madrid and there'll be a lot more. I, listen, I wouldn't even be surprised if we were to sign Seya Buendia and get Martin Odegaard back in on loan. That could be an option as well. Uh, mm-hmm. As much as we all want Odegaard for a permanent transfer, I have a feeling his heart lies in Real Madrid, which is a shame. Well, it depends on Zidane, isn't it? That's what I'm going. Listen, if Zidane wins the Champions League this season, he can walk out with his head held high. He doesn't have to be sacked. That's true. But he doesn't also, want to stay there either, let's be fair. But what about Smith Rowe? That's another option. And that's the thing is as well, is that if you had a front three behind Say and Abamyang of three creative players, oh, to be fair, I'm leaving out Saka now. That's the worst thing. I've just left out Saka in my head. But a Buendia, an Erdegaard and a Smith Rowe. Or say we don't sign Odegaard, but you put Saka, Buendia, Smith-Rowe behind Aubameyang. Listen, if Aubameyang doesn't score 50 league goals in the season, then there's something wrong. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Well, we just stick so, Martinelli in there instead. Fine. There you go. Exactly. And that's <laughs> the, you know what I mean? um, so what we'll do is I'm gonna, we'll, we'll wrap up in very shortly, but we're going to put um, the striking option onto that list. And I've thrown in a bit of a curveball. You can have a look at the curveball I've thrown in there. Uh, I've gone for six easy, players yeah. that we can look at. I haven't put Ivan Tony in there, you know, to be honest with you. And I I probably should have. I actually probably should have. Um, that's a very good point. I didn't put Tony in for some reason. But I've put in Hudson Dacker from Salzburg. Odson Eduard from Celtic, who seems to be pretty much done for Leicester. But, you know, we can still talk about him. Uh, Daniel Malen from PSV, who... For everybody knows, we had him at Arsenal and let him go as a youngster. Uh, Andre Silva, who's currently at Frankfurt. Danny Ings, obviously, Premier League player from Southampton. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin from Everton. So, let's let's be fair. Let's look at the main ones in terms of goals. Patson Dacca leads the way in a big way as well by the amount of goals. He's got 23 goals. Andre Silva has one less than him in the league. Uh, assists, Daniel Malin leads the assist with six. Um, Man of the Match Awards, Malin also leads that with five. Um, passing, Malin, I don't know what it is. Malin, I'm looking at these stats thinking he looks more like a number 10 or at least a player who plays maybe like an inverted winger, maybe, maybe not an out-and-out out striker. You know. maybe yeah, exactly, player. because... Mm. He's got a high touch rate in terms of the amount of passes he makes per game. If you look at the likes of, well, Ings, Calvert-Lewin, um, well, everybody actually, apart from Malin and Eduard, averages less than 25 passes a game. Um, completion rate, um, Eduard uh, has the most with 81%. Final third entries, obviously, whether or not it's assist making or, again, you know, passing it out to the wings. 17 for Eduard. Interestingly enough, uh, Daka and Daniel Malin averages just over 14 and a half passes per game. I'm not going to look too much in the defensive side of things because I have, well, in fairness, to be fair, the Jules one we already know about Calvert-Lewin because he's a monster, but 
He averages 14.3 joules per game and wins uh, six goal, uh, six of them every game. So in terms of attacking-wise and decisiveness, Adson Dakar wins the way in terms of shots per game, on target per game, and also decisive goals uh, alongside Malin in terms of six decisive goals per game. And obviously all of them, well, Malin and, um, not Malin, sorry, Edward and... Dakar averaged just over 8.5 box position. So they get into the box in the in per 90, just over 8.5 times per game. So your thoughts on the options for a striker and who you'd go for, basically. I mean, the stats just pretty much say... Dakar Edward just seem to be the obvious choice. I mean, Marlon, on the other hand, I mean, I would take him back if we don't have Odegaard, if we can't get our hands on Ben Dio. I'd more look into that, to be honest. I mean, he can kind of drop into another 10 role and then kind of rotate with the striker, whoever's playing up top, if that is the case. Like, I think he'd, do you know what? It sounds a little crazy. I think he'd work well with Lacazette, you know? Do you know how Lacazette likes to drop back in the midfield? Yeah. Then two can kind of just rotate throughout the game. Mm. If we weren't playing without, you know, the guys I mentioned as well as ESR and that. But if I had to pick someone, I mean, Daka just looks insane. And he's a very, from what I've seen of him, he's a very quick striker as well, which is something that we're not getting too often. Um, we do have good pace up top, but do we yeah. need extra pace? I mean, Aubameyang is getting on. So his pace is going to naturally start to decline. Yeah, we've got we got Martinelli. Whether Balogun decides to stay, that's still questionable right now. Mm. Um, the wingers, Saka, yeah, so it's not that quick, but he, he's got a little bit of burst on him. Do you know what I mean? So I was going to say he's uh, got a five six yard burst of pace. Is rapid. Yeah, he's not rapid. I mean, but the thing is, for me, I'm looking for someone that can hold up the ball, go in for headers. You know, just like a quicker Giroud type player, because that's the one thing I liked about Giroud when we had him. And I know it hurts because everybody hounded him out as a donkey, and this guy couldn't play. And look what he's won since he's left. And this is the thing: it's like I just felt with Giroud. Oh God, I I, I actually did not want him to go. I thought me neither. Me neither. Giroud and then Lacazette competing. I was just like, so why did we get Lacazette if? It, to me, it just didn't make no sense. And they brag up Bamiang as a Sanchez. But look, we can talk about that another time. So I wanted someone like a target man-esque, but has a bit of pace to them. Because I'm missing guys going for headers, especially what annoys me is when we're putting in crosses. We've seen it this season. Crosses going into the box. No one's getting on the end of him. I mean, like that. look how short he is. Are you putting crosses in for him? It's like when Chelsea were doing it, and all they had was bloody Kante getting to, get into the getting to the end of it. Do you know what I'm saying? I think he scored three headers for Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal I don't remember. I don't, I don't even think he scored. I think he's got maybe even only four or five in his whole career headers. Well done. Well done. This is it. This is it. But but this is but my. You know what my four thought headers are Arsenal. Yeah, and you know, my whole thought process behind um, not 
individual positions where I'm saying, like, look, look, everyone saw we needed a winger. You know, we bought Pepe in and said, look, the other guy, I just want you, we're just going to give you the ball and let you do what you need to do. If I'm for it, but that's not how football works. You need the rest of the players around him and the rest of the team around him to help. So, my, like I was saying about having somebody like Emerson Royal who puts in five crosses per game or even a Tarek Lamptey, the reason I wouldn't go for Lamptey is just because of his height. I think Emerson Royal is a mixture between Lamptey and I want to say a Chambers in terms of the height and also the pace and the ability to get in the box. But having somebody like Royal, Emerson Royal, who can play in that right hand, right back position, allow somebody like Saka or Pepe to move inside to get into the box as well, and then put into the ball, put a ball into the box for somebody like Daka, who's I think is about six foot three and quick and can head the ball. I mean, I might as well just be the manager. Might as well. You know? But, you know, but yeah, so like, I know, I know. Um, and, and that's the thing is like, just basically bringing in the differences of players saying, okay, cool, look, we're going to bring in a striker, but who do we need to help him? Because if we're going to ask Bellerin to be crossing the boxes in, it's not going to happen. Cedric's a very good cross of the ball, but he's unfortunately not going to be the man I'm relying on to be my first choice right back. As much as I like Cedric, I think he's a very good player. He's not my player to be my first choice right back. Okay, cool. So now we, we, we need a right back who can cross the ball into the box. Brilliant. So we're gonna we've got two positions there, but we know can help each other. What else do we need? Maybe somebody in an attacking midfield role who can help the ball get in behind the striker defenders onto an on-running striker who can run and score. Wicked. So now we need an attacking midfielder who again can allow the right back to move on, the attacking midfielder to cut inside, or the right midfielder to cut inside. And now you've got more options in the middle of the park. It's just, it's just that constant thought process of, okay, cool, look, we don't need just one position. We need one position, then we need another one to assist that one, and so forth. Um, obviously, we discussed, you know, the goalkeeper situation. I'd be happy to sign Matt Ryan on a permanent. Obviously, Leno's the number one goalkeeper. I think in a few years' time, maybe the number one goalkeeper would need really looking at if we are then start challenging for a league position and a Champions League. But right now, I'm more than happy with Burton Leno. In goal i've got no qualms with him whatsoever um obviously the left back situation i didn't touch on it but like we said you know ryan birch we've been linked with as a backup left back uh, who knows he might want to come back to london he might want to assist and you know come in every now and then if as long as he knows he's not going to play every game as long as he knows he's going to play cup games and maybe the odd tuesday or wednesday game when tierney's rested you know all that young left back that i mentioned at the start the hibernian left back josh Dovig, who you know, like I said, you'd think that Kieran knows a bit about him. So maybe that's a position as well that we could look at. Um, but I think we've covered pretty much all the positions uh, that we are looking at. How hopeful are you that we could sign all five of those? Obviously, we've got a lot of outgoings that need to be um, touched on, which I'm not going to go into too much because I'm, I'm, I'm conscious I'm running a little bit over time myself. I, I've got a bit of a places to be. Uh, but, you know, we've got a lot of outgoings that need to be happening in the summer, which could have possibly assist. Like obviously we've mentioned Bellerin, uh, Gwenduzi, Torreira, Lacazette, probably the likes of El Neni, Nelson, Inketia. You know, if somebody comes in with a big offer for Aubameyang, it ain't going to happen. But if it does, then you've got to look at that. If we're not in the Champions League or we're not in the Europa League, do we go for that as well? Besides, you've, got, you've got to remember, um, even with that, uh, Aubameyang, well, apparently... They're suffocating his contract that's stated if we don't get European football either on next this season or next, he, he's gonna he, he's gonna go. He's gone. So Which you know what? 
I'm like I said to you earlier. I'm happy to have eleven very, very good players, then one or two top class players that don't help the rest of the team. I Club listen. Stuff, what, listen, if we look at Liverpool of recent years, yeah, they've got outstanding players, but they've also got a very, very, very good first eleven that help That's the team really non-stop. That's it. They haven't got anything else. That's what they've got. That's they why. But they've yeah. only got Jota this season, like they've and and this season he even he even himself got injured. So when he got injured himself, that's when they still crumbled. Whereas you look at Man City and you said it earlier about rotating, we can't rotate. Man City screwed me up on my fantasy Premier League by dropping Stones, by dropping Cancelo, by dropping Gundogan, and by dropping Sterling, and they still beat um, whoever it was two 0 oh. uh, oh, yeah. No, Leicester, Leicester, oh, Leicester, oh, Leicester oh, in the they... Premier League. You know. Yeah, well. Mm. So. Um, I think, yeah, listen, I think how, sorry, quick question. How optimistic are you that we're actually going to get those five, six signings? Not very. I think at best, knowing Arsenal, we'll probably make about three, three changes. We'll probably keep two people who we really need to get rid of. Yeah. That's just, that's just what this club showed me. I know I should be more positive, but I can't. I, I can't be positive when I know this club is just holding on for too many things. They held on to players that could have went last season in the summer. Yeah, it might have left us a, a wee bit thin, but that's when you start promoting some of the youngsters and then you build around them. But then the summer that's coming up or the January just gone, you start bringing in, you start going and getting other players that can, that's experienced and can mold around them, you know? So, like, I look at Aziz. Aziz can be another option, you know, with Partey. Get Basuma. Like for me, he's number one on that list. I know we need a right back. I know we need a left back. But, but for me, Basuma is my top priority, 100%. Because okay. that midfield yeah. is so weak, so vulnerable. Yeah. Games are lost and decided in that midfield, you know? So yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. But yeah. Probably about three signings I see Arsenal making. I don't know who the other the, two well, are going to be. The thing is, as well, like I said, the centre back option is not that much of an option if we are going to use Saliba, who we've already got. We've got a twenty-eight million pound player who we need to get the best out of. Let's be honest, and we've got David Luiz on that list as well, who potentially signs a new contract. So that that person you can come off the list. I'm looking at the potential for me. I agree with you that centre midfield is definitely the one of the priorities. For me, like I said, if if we have to put up with one more season of Granite Xhaka, I can just about bear it if we get the proper attacking midfielder we can build around and a proper right back that we can say, no, no more of this. If one goes forward, the other one doesn't. I want this case of if one goes forward, the other one can also go forward because Xhaka will sit back in the middle or party can sit back and we've still got defensive mm-hmm. cover where we need mm-hmm. it. I don't want a case of Tini goes forward to better and you have to sit back because we don't trust you enough. Um, just a quick one, like somebody saying to me about um, Kyle Walker and Cancelo. If you watch the way Kyle Walker plays at Man City, he comes inside as a, as a third midfielder because Pep yeah, doesn't trust yeah. him enough to go forward and then to say, well, when you go forward, I don't trust you enough to be able to put the ball into the, the box on a sixpence. I, what I expect from you to drill the ball across, us lose it and us get counter-attacked. But when Ken Cello plays, he goes, I expect you to find whoever you need to find. That's why I'm going to let both you and the other player go forward all the time. And that's what we need to finally get to is where we have Tierney and our right back always going forward. But trust them enough that if they do lose the ball, they're going to get back as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, 
So I think we, you know, right back for me is probably one of the priorities. Central mm -hmm. midfield, yes. Attacking midfield, 100%. The striker, if we're going to go with Aubameyang up, up through the middle, then I can go with one more season without us signing a striker. But if Lacazette yeah, leaves, uh, then, then, the, then the, you know, I have a sneaky feeling still that Balogun will sign a new contract. I don't know why. I just have this sneaky, oh, yeah, sneaky cool. feeling. You know, and look, and if that's the case and Lacazette leaves and you have a free striker of Aubameyang, Martinelli and Balogun, it's not the greatest three in the world, but you've still got a top-class striker who can still score goals. A young striker who you're so confident that he's going to get you a few goals and a third-choice striker who you're confident that can still get you a few goals. But we just need to see it. And also, um, he could play out on the left as well. So there I mean, you go. Martinelli can be rotated, which is good because yes. he could play yes. left. We haven't tried him on. A, I don't think we tried him on a right. Actually, I don't think so. No, I think been, he played a couple of times under Emery, but nothing really under Arteta. Right. Nah, yeah. I don't know. I can remember, but that's what I'm saying. So that's fine. But Lacazette and Kelly are chopping block. Sorry, they got to go. Um, and listen, I know I've gone oh, with Lacazette for. Yeah. Uh, the Europa League game, but that's clearly on the fact that Aubameyang hasn't does enough for me yeah. to warrant a start. Yeah, but yeah. it's just down to our manager who seems to has the big bollocks not to drop him. Oh wait, yeah. that's wrong. My bad. I didn't mean to say that. But you know, <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, but listen, we're going to leave it there. We're going to wrap things up. Where can everybody find you? Obviously on your YouTube channel and on your Twitter as well, and anything else you've got that you use. Well, thanks for inviting me on, Chris. Always a pleasure. You're very welcome, mate. Definitely got to do this next time, man. Hundred percent. Uh, guys, YouTube channel's there. Ryan Williams AFC. Uh, check out my content. Let me know what you guys think. And um, yeah, Twitter at RJ Wills. Uh, you could just search me up, Ryan Williams AFC on Twitter. Also, if you can't remember RJ Wills, or at Instagram, <laughs> same same Ryan Williams AFC. But thanks again, Chris, man. No, no, no. Appreciate it. Like I said, look, give him a follow. Follow his YouTube as well. Subscribe to the channel. Well, listen, you're you're getting to the road to, is it 150 or 200 subs now? Uh, 150. So I'm on the road to 100. Listen, we're going to get there together, bro. Don't worry. Um, on, obviously, like again, myself, if you, are, if you are brand new to the channel, hit the subscribe button, notification bell. Every time I upload a video, you'll be notified. Same as his as well. Hit the notification bell every time he uploads a video, you'll be notified. Follow both of us on Twitter. Mine's Miss CJ Wright as well. And guys, until next time, listen, keep the faith. That's what I want to say is just keep the faith, maybe not with the players, the manager, or the board. Maybe just with the badge. Sod it. Just keep the faith with the badge. That's all we want. Um, at the end of the day, we, we both love this football club and we both want the football club to succeed no matter what happens. No matter who's here, and in, listen, in 50 years' time when we're both in single frames, we'll still be supporting the football club. So, yeah, guys, until next time, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Easter time off. And, yeah, we'll see you both soon. Take care.